Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from the corner of no hope. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club podcast. Tonight, the boys check out one of cinema's most iconic leading men in a film directed by the lead singer of Limp Biscuit. Wait a minute, let me check my notes. Yeah, that is right. Yep. Well, shit, this thing actually does exist. It's the 2019 John Travolta thriller, The Fanatic. And obviously our favorite crew of lovable numbnuts are going to need some help getting through this movie. So they'll be drinking pint after pint of the 35K stout from Against the Grain Brewery, paired with the exceptional Rose of Sharon Desert Rose Cigar from Southern Draw. Wait a minute, my notes also say that Travolta wears a mullet wig in this thing. What the fuck is going on here? Anywho, sit back folks, light them up, and enjoy the show. A mullet wig. That's not quite as impressive as the dreadlocks wig he wore in that uh, L. Ron Hubbard whatever it was movie that lasted forever and... <laughs> never mind. Uh, well, boys, we talked a bit about fandom in the world of cigars on our last show. Yeah. When chatting with Pete Johnson of Tatuaje. It was a good yeah. talk, huh? Yeah, it was a very good talk. We've gotten a lot of good feedback on, really cool. on that conversation with Pete. And our film tonight certainly takes a deep, deep dive into the world of celebrities and their fans. So when I was reading the latest entertainment news last week over a bowl of oatmeal and a giant mug of coffee, maybe some bourbon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this headline caught my attention immediately, and you'll understand why. You thought the celebrity in tonight's movie treats his fans poorly. Check this shit out. Pete Davidson, this is the headline, forces his fans to sign a non-disclosure agreement for a whopping $1 million before his stand-up shows. You guys know who Pete Davidson is? Yeah, he's that little scuzz bucket from Saturday Night Live. He is indeed. Well, here's the gist of what's going on here, according to the Daily Mail. 26-year-old Saturday Night Live cast member and stand-up comic Pete Davidson 
has reportedly been requiring attendees to risk bankruptcy with a $1 million non-disclosure agreement before his stand-up shows, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. The move is part of a recent wave of comics taking extraordinary measures to prevent their acts from leaking. According to a Facebook post by a ticket holder and later confirmed, Pete's team sent out an email only hours before the show informing audience members they would need to sign the agreement in order to be let in. Ticket holders had previously been told they'd have to place their cell phones and smartwatches in locked pouches before the show started, and that phones, cameras, and any other recording devices were prohibited. The practice of locking or confiscating mobile phones has increased in recent years. It's become easier than ever for audience members to post jokes early on social media. I kind of understand that. According to the attached documents, attendees, quote, shall not give any interviews, offer any opinions or critiques, or otherwise participate by any means or in any form whatsoever, including but not limited to blogs, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or any other social networking or websites, whether now existing or hereafter created in the future, in the disclosure of any confidential information. Any attendee who broke any of these rules would be... So basically, if you walked out and said anything about it, even to a stranger on the street would be required to pay Pete $1 million under the terms of the NDA. Though they're often used as a means of saving jokes till they can be marketed in a film special, Pete's documents go a step further by not allowing his fans to even say whether they opinion like on the quality of the material. You can't you don't say the jokes themselves. You just If you didn't like them, you can't say that. So here's my beef with this situation and this particular asshole. He ain't a high-profile comedian. I can see Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Seinfeld, any of the top dogs of comedy wanting to confiscate phones and keep their, their material fresh. I get that. They want to net, they want to workshop it without a million cell phones yeah. capturing it. It's how you hone your craft, right. hone your set. Yes. I get that. But this goofball ain't Eddie Murphy. No. He's not even close. I've seen some of his stand-up. Or actually, on Sirius, I listened to some of the stand-up radio Comedy radio, he sucks. He's he, he's just as bad in stand up as he is on Saturday Night Live. This guy's best known for somehow getting in the goodie bags of chicks like Kate Beckinsale, yeah. Ariana Grande. Now apparently he's banging, or I'm sorry, he's dating. I shouldn't have said banging. He's dating Cindy Crawford's 18 year old lookalike oh, daughter. God, gross. But he is not an elite comic talent. He's terrible. And to have the nerve to not only confiscate cameras. But order people to not talk about it or face losing their homes, their livelihoods. Who the fuck does this guy think he is? To me, it comes across as a perfect mixture of unearned ego. He hasn't earned the right to do this shit by a long shot. And a total lack of confidence in his act. To me, it screams, I have no confidence in my set. These people are going to go out and shit on it. And I'm going to not only shut them down from Facebook, I'm going to shut them down from going to the coffee shop afterwards and talk about it in public. Fuck this dude. Am I right? Uh, Pete, stop sucking and you won't care about it whether people post it on Facebook. I just... I, I understand it. Um, when we went, we went and watched uh, Pussifer in concert and Maynard came out uh, after the show and he was like, I understand that everybody wants to get memorabilia for, from tonight and you got pictures and you got videos and he goes, the only thing that I would say that this is only our second show in the entire tour, 
and just imagine the surprise. And I'll go ahead and say it. They brought out an entire wrestling ring with luchadors, and they put on luchador shows like every third or every third song. It was so damn cool. And he was like, imagine your surprise tonight if you didn't when see we it did on, that. If you didn't see it on and YouTube. He was like, so don't don't spoil the surprise down the road. He was like, that's all I'm going to well, ask you to do. You At know. some point in the concert, did he say this song, bring out your phones? Because a lot of those guys will do that well, on a concert. Yeah, yeah. They'll I'm be like, put your that. phones away, but then they'll be like, this song, bring those phones out. And here's you're going to want to record and this. One, here's your opportunity. And one more thing, and I'll just let it rest. Uh, I don't mind people... Wanting to go through this extreme, but you tell your ticket holders before they buy their tickets. A few hours beforehand. Tell them before they make that purchase. Correct. And then, you know, they, did you have wanna, the, they did have the opportunity to get refunds if they weren't up for the... I oh, think I he's totally refunded. Well, I'll be like, yeah. if you're this fucking insecure about your show, Well, I think sucks. he's just trying to stir up controversy. Like, oh my God, this show's going to be amazing. And I got the exact opposite. This show's going to suck, and he doesn't want yeah. me talking about it. Yeah. Well, no, that's Who doesn't want people to talk about an amazing thing? Of course, I watch well, Saturday Night but, Live often, so I but, know how, how it's going to Yeah, he's bad. Show. But it's, once it's again, I, just, I do too. I think it, it falls within that category. It's like, you know, <laughs> probably his own you know, managers and whatnot are like, your show sucks. Yeah, but here's how we can make your sucky show make people think that's it's really. That was good. my first impression. Why don't you go get a couple more neck tattoos and you know it'll be cool. It was like that whole Seth Rogen uh, North Korea movie. This movie's a piece of shit. How do we really get some? How do we make this this turd into something? Well, yeah. we've got this you know this email leak and we'll do, we'll play that into some kind of. Yeah, the movie was horrible. Yeah, so that was that. That's my first. I'm not impressed with Pete. Sorry. No, horrible. You know who else has a lot of fans, boys? Who? Devote fans. These people are devote or devout. I said devout. What did you? Why did you say devote? (laughs) Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Bell Biv devote. (laughs) Great band. Never trust a big butt and a smile, yaks. It'll get you every time. Yeah, it's poison. Peloton. Peloton? The spin bike from home phenomenon. Okay. You boys saw the commercial? You're going to beef about yes. Peloton? What? You watched the commercial? What? The commercial I texted you to watch before the show? Oh. Yeah. yeah. We're just learning all. No spoilers, okay? <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. I'm, out. I'm leaving the studio I'm for a while. Actually, uh, let's, let's, let's do a TNCC. <laughs> we, this isn't our first time. A brief break for technical difficulties. We'll be right back. We're back, folks. Uh, hey, funny thing, during that uh, technical break to get some equipment scored away, Tut, you remembered that you saw the commercial. I totally remembered. I remembered that I seen your commercial. The commercial, the holiday commercial, titled The Gift That Gives Back, shows a woman receiving a Peloton bike. It's the spin bike you use at home with a you video in to classes, and people are just... It's huge. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of devoted fans. You're right. Uh, she shows a woman receiving a Peloton bike from her husband on Christmas morning. She then documents her year-long fitness journey in selfie videos before compiling those video clips into a thank you vid for her husband Christmas morning. Twitter users, you know those guys and gals, immediately Ooh, branded immediately branded the commercial sexist, misogynistic, and cringeworthy, which I think is where Tut's going with this. Uh, they charge that it encourages negative stereotypes by implying that a husband will get a more attractive wife in return for giving her the exercise bike. They also claim she was clearly an abused wife, scared of her husband, based solely on her kind of awkward facial expressions that she used throughout the thing. 
get, get this. Peloton Interactive Inc., their stock, following this commercial airing, went down 9.12% the Tuesday after it aired, erasing nearly $942 million from the company's market value. Analysts credited the drop to social media backlash over its holiday commercial. Thank you, marketing team. And get this. The poor actor who plays the husband says his friends now call him a symbol of the patriarchy, oh. and he now feels for fears for his future as an elementary school teacher. He's just a commercial actor. He's got a real job. Get this. He told Psychology Today, and I quote, I currently sit here hoping that I'll be able to continue auditioning for commercials without any taint, and that if my students happen to find the commercial and recognize me, they won't think about me any different than they already know me. He was forced to make a statement. The fuck is going on in the world? Uh, before you opine in, Tut, I'm gonna say this. I saw the commercial when it was on TV, and then I watched it once I heard you know people were upset about it, very upset. When I watched it, never once did I see a dude subliminally saying, "Hey, babe, I think you need to lose a few pounds." Here's a Peloton. I took it as it's an expensive luxury item. It's over two grand for this yeah. bike, plus a pretty hefty monthly fee, I think, to subscribe to the the videos and the daily classes. I took it. He bought it for her. perhaps she'd been wanting it and on the fence. Perhaps you know she was going to purchase it for herself, but it's a lot of money. And he just did something nice for her by getting it for her. That's all I took it was. And she enjoyed it, and it, she got into it, and she was like, thanks, babe, and this is my way. I never in a million years, maybe I'm just completely out of touch, but I never in a million years thought she was an abused woman peddling for her life. So her husband, you know, her husband's over there, you know, dangling a fucking hot dog in front of her on the Peloton. <laughs> I never, I never got that at all. But apparently, a million other people did enough to. They almost lost a billion dollars on this shit. Tut, you. Right, oh, the the first time, the first because I've I watched I've seen the the commercial in the wild. Right. And the first time I saw it, I was like, well, that's gonna backfire. Because it, it, the first thing that comes up is like, oh, cool. The guy got his wife an exercise bike basically saying, you fat chick, get on this thing now. That's the way it was going to take. Did you that's the way it was like me? It was a, Dude, I've been in marketing for 13 years. That's I've true. Run, I've run my own advertising agency. I've run up and I've bumped up against this type of stuff. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what you think, it's what the actual public thinks and how they're going to react. Oh, we're not the actual public? You're not enough of it because they lost nine hundred million dollars. What did you say? Nine million or nine hundred million? Yeah, nine and a half. Yeah, yeah. Your your opinion doesn't matter unless you can come up with nine and a half million dollars. The chick, meanwhile, Ryan Reynolds cast her in a spoof for his gin company because they get you know like, hey, you're away from your husband now. You can have a drink. You're horrible. The guy's like in hiding. The poor damn Canadian actor. And this chick flat out said, you know what, I think a lot of this stems from uh, my facial expression. So because you're a bad actress and just kind of was awkward in this commercial, we didn't need to be. I'm sorry. Your co-star's uh, on the run. Unless that, was a, <laughs> unless that was a marketing intern who put this spot together and there was a marketing VP who's like a 30-year-old, you know, hot shot. They should have they should have known better than this. You think if it was they should have never even they should have never even cleared corporate. You think if it was too chunky, a man and a wife, they're both a little heavy set, and the wife got it for the husband, and he was, you know, this kind of lovable chunky guy, and he's like, babe, thank you, I want to be around for you and the kids, kids for years. I bet it would have been fine. Been totally fine. 
And if well, you, I if mean, you would have shown, if you would have shown the husband and wife getting it together as a joint person and or joint purpose uh, purchase and both working on it at the same time to better their life, it would have been totally fine too. Actually, that would have been a better commercial. I two, think fats, two fat couples. It absolutely uh, would. Two I, mean, fat I really just think they should do another commercial where it's basically like that, except it's like, you know, you just hear them in the background, why don't you put that cheeseburger down, get on the bike. <laughs> or do a follow-up with, with the teacher actor, but now with a beer gut, and it's like 10 years later, and he's just shooting Jack Daniels crying because his fine wife left, left him. him after. <laughs> I mean, come on. Stop taking this shit The commercial is still up on YouTube on the Peloton YouTube channel. They, they didn't remove it from well, there. Of course. They probably played a you know a good penny for it. I, I'm just Twitter warriors. Calm the fuck down. It's interesting seeing Tut as a marketing man's perspective. I just couldn't un- wrap my head around the uproar. It just seemed like a nice thing. It's the world we're living in today. My wife, my insignificant other, buys me. But a, it also a, goes back. It also goes back to the seventies. You know when they would have commercials where, hey, husbands, get your wife the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> the feminist movement back then True. was just all over the place. I get. I guess you know what? Maybe I'm living in my own little bubble, mm. and I'm like, you know what? Getting in shape is expensive. Whether it's joining a, a quality gym or getting some home equipment, and you know what? Or eating uh, all of that delicious salad. A spouse. Doing that for their spouse. I just took it as he knew she wanted it, and it's yeah. expensive, and it's it like, hey. I know one time, uh, speaking of the vacuum cleaner, my wife asked for a vacuum cleaner for Christmas, and I was, are you sure? Are you absolutely, I don't want to be, asshole. I don't want to be that, I don't want to be that Were guy. Were you that guy? No, and actually I do most of the vacuum anyway, because I like, I don't mind vacuuming. Nice save. Hmm. Nice, mm. nice. Well, my wife does a lot of the cleaning. Oh, I just do the vacuum. Oh, you do it because you don't mind it? That's why she doesn't have to do it because you don't. If you minded, she would have to do it. Now you're in the hot seat. <laughs> no, now I, you're the Twitter warriors are coming after you. I, I can't. I'm, I'm going to be. On, where's? Can you dial up psychology today? I want an interview. I need to give a statement. <laughs> don't you mansplain vacuuming to me? Is Tut in trouble? Is he <laughs> going to need a good when, lawyer? When she opened the vacuum, did you show her how the different extensions worked and whatnot? No, she actually shows me. Oh, you make her do it. Pretty much. She can burn off some calories yeah. doing that. Get that forearm going. I, fandom is crazy. Whether it's a world of cigars, spin bikes. People just need to calm down. Canadians. Calm down. Uh, we talk about that a lot. But I thought these were two examples of passionate... Actually, the Peloton, that wasn't passionate fans. Those were just people that looked, Those looked to get angry about stuff. Yeah. And now this poor Canadian commercial actor is in hiding in a Motel 6, like peeking out the windows. No, he's not. It's just an ulterior motive for him to get more public. People are going to give him pity commercial spots. I mean, it's all a plan. You're going Alex Jones on this one? <laughs> it's all a plan. He knew it from the start. He's a crisis actor. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going back to that. I can't. We've got one more show to do this year. I can't lose my voice. It's uh, all there. It's on the internet. <laughs> Google it. It's right there on YouTube. They don't want you to know about it. If you look up from your Peloton bike, there's chemtrails in the sky coming straight from Peloton headquarters. Look, you They're can dropping actually, radiated you, you dust. Can wa- you can watch the video while you're on the Peloton bike. It's got a TV. <laughs> Buy my amino acid drink. It's going to keep you safe from the Peloton chemtrails. Michelle Obama's penis has come nowhere near my aminos as far as I know. There was a break-in three weeks ago. Something stirred him up. It was big. I don't know what it was. We're getting to the bottom of it. Infowars.com, promo code TNCC20. 
Welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 107. Yay! No chemtrails in here, just cigar smoke. We're safe. Uh, and thanks for joining yeah, us. Yeah. Our fans are simply the best. They are. Uh, whether you're a fan of us on iTunes, you subscribe, or our Facebook page, or Instagram. Our YouTube numbers are blowing up. Blowing up. Granted, half the guys' names we can't pronounce. It's all right. Uh, we're big with ISIS. We're huge with ISIS, which isn't what we want. But hey. I didn't think they're allowed to smoke, are they? You get your head chopped no, off. I think you do. Yeah, your head chopped off for smoking. No, I think they can smoke. That's okay, one. Of, that's one of the things they can do. Oh, oh man, aren't we a bunch of ignorant people? That explains some things. The TNCC is a. Uh, we. We're anti-ISIS. I should make that very, very clear. Uh, we are down to our last two episodes of the year, this one included. Uh, my, how time flies when you're drunk all the time. Yes. 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 Uh, but correct. We, we have, we're actually recording this show three days from now. We've got a show at Romocraft headquarters yeah. in Austin. It's going to be quite a week for us, for our livers. Help us. Shut up. Uh... In all seriousness, I was hoping to get a few more shows in this year. Uh, there's a bunch of really great new cigars out there I wanted to give some ex- little exposure to. But thanks to Tut, we got this show in an excellent... I mean, sorry, Tut. Uh-huh. Due to yeah, unforeseen circumstances beyond our control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can edit out that. Yeah, whatever. It's your fault. I was at home crying on my bed. Tut was sick. He had school finals. As, as you listeners know, Tut's back in school. Yeah, we think well, we're looking at straight A's. We're thinking down to 4.0. One more grade to report in. Here we nice. go. With the most important, I got an A in math. If you uh, get those straight A's, we're taking you to Chili's for some Long Islands. Really? All yeah. right. That well, sounds... One, one yeah. Long Island. Think on Wednesday. That's when they're on special. When you graduate, <laughs> when you graduate, you get all the Long Islands you want. Oh, okay. All right. But not chilies from Applebee's. <laughs> Sorry. Uh-huh. We are just terrible. Yeah. All of a sudden, the uh, Instagram number's dropping. <laughs> Facebook number's dropping. Uh, we got a big show tonight, guys. Uh, we're going to do two cigars, which I two. swore we would never do again, but we're only we're only going to review the first cigar. Uh-huh. What did, wait, what did he say? He said that like, like at last episode. We're never going to do this again, right? and we're doing it this way. Well, point. the second cigar has yes. a very good story behind it, and I knew we'd probably burn through the first cigar uh, fairly quickly. So yeah. we're, we're just going to introduce and talk about the second cigar, but we're not going to review it. We're not going to rate it. I'm sorry. Because yeah. um, it, it does have a special story, and it's kind of a special circumstance, but I want to sh- give it, because it's got a special story, I want to give it some exposure. Uh, it's by the same manufacturer as our first cigar, and I don't know about you guys, but I want to smoke a cigar. So let's Hell get right yes. to it. Let's get yeah, into boy, it. What do we do every episode? We smoke a fine premium cigar and, or Hope, two. Hopefully fine. Or it's premium. Two. We'll be the judge of it's fine or not. Or two cigars. Yes, or two cigars. <laughs> and what do we do with the along with those smoking of cigars? We drink a delicious, hopefully, hopefully craft beer. Correct. And watch a fine, well put together film. Ideally, a film. <laughs> a film. What's well, it's a video? Why are all my adjectives being shot down? Uh, <laughs> Everything is so. This is going to be fantastic. Just trying to keep it real. I'm going to need a non disclosure agreement. Uh, all our listeners have to sign an NDA. Uh, the first cigar tonight, guys, I see you eyeing it and just. Just feel, I'm feel, watching it. Into it. I feel am. that wrapper. 
let me know what you guys get on the cold draw of this. I got a lot of sweetness. A really nice sweetness. Not raisiny, tut. No, I got a little bit of honey tea. Honey tea. Tea with honey in it. Mm-hmm. Like a breakfast tea? Mm-hmm. English black breakfast tea? Chamomile. Chamomile. That's pretty close. Uh-huh. That's pretty close, yeah. It is the Rose of Sharon Desert Rose by Southern Draw Cigars. That name should bring... It's Sting, Desert Rose. Uh, oh, he did, that was your Sting? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, we've definitely been stung. Uh, it's a 5.5 by 52 Bellicoso Fino. The rapper's Ecuadorian Claro. Claro? Claro. Heard it both ways. Binder's Nicaraguan. The filler is Honduras and Dominican Republic. I'm going to say price point till later, of course. <laughs> This should be very interesting. Up for that alone, Tut's uh, coughing. Away. The original Rose of Sharon, which we reviewed way back on our Pretty in Pink episode, episode fifty-two. Whoa! Over half. Uh, we're on one hundred and seven. That was forever ago. Can you believe that? It seems like it was just yesterday. It was. It was a huge hit with us. It is by far the Southern Draw cigar I smoke more than any other. Yes. I know, Todd, you smoke a ton of their blends, but I, I go back to the Rose a lot. So much so, we liked it that we named it our top cigar. Number one cigar of 2017. Cigar of the year. Numero uno. We love the yin and the yang of the original Rose of Sharon. That woodsiness and the vanilla latte creamy coffee note danced expertly with just the right amount of pepper on the nose. Retrohaling with the original uh, Rose Sharon is a must. It was just super smooth, complex, which... This was one of the first Connecticut cigars that was sharing that was doing something different. Now there's yeah. a, it just every year more and more, you know, different styles of Connecticut's are come out. Southern Draw's boss lady, Sharon Holt, is on record as stating that the Desert Rose has a heartier wrapper and is a more robust version of our original blend. And she should know the cigar is named after her. Uh, y'all excited to light this mofo up? Already yeah. What do you think of when you think robust? Stronger? Fuller? I just, I tend to think an stronger. An overwhelming, more strong impression. Right. Which I had a great impression of the original, so this should be even better by that logic. Mm, I, I don't know. I kind of tend to... What does yeah, the word guess, robust mean to you, Tut? I guess robust really means to me... Uh, College boy? A little boy. bit more full-bodied... Um, Slightly stronger, though there's not there there can be a difference between full flavored and full strength. Um, I really think that I'll be shocked if it's full flavor, full strength. No, there's not. Uh-uh. Why would you want to do that to the rose? The rose's subtlety was what really could have stood oh. out to me. Well, just upon initial uh, light up, that retro hail is still delicious. I am getting, on the retrohale alone, a little slight white pepper, but it's got a little bit of Nicaraguan mineral on that retrohale. I got. I definitely get you a little bit of that white pepper on there. Yeah. And I am getting just a really nice woodsiness, which was also present on the original Rose of Sharon. A really nice woodsiness. I'm, I'm yet across the palate. Yeah. 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 Well, 
I had gotten just it was a just slight like hay and cedar on the aroma, initial mm-hmm. cold draw, and a little bit of that that sweetness. I wouldn't call it. Did you get the tea with honey? I don't know about that. Shame, guys. Shame you didn't get the chamomile. Mm. Woodsiness, and you know what? I'm not getting the the vanilla that I got from the original rose on the palate, but I think that yeah. may have developed about halfway in, if I if I remember right, on that original. Because yeah. I've smoked quite a few of the. They they also released with the rose since that original uh, Lancero, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm still going to give the original rose the upper hand against uh, the Lancero. Agreed. And they also released, I believe, a Perfecto with mm-hmm. their Ignite series, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, mm. I'm still a fan of that that original that original release. I mean, the original's always yeah. been the home run. I like this, and it's funny that y'all don't get it because I I do get tea across the palate as well. I think it's coming in off of the brightness of that woodsiness, and then I think you know it's go, I think it's going right. I was going to say I'm not getting the well. vanilla, but there there's that that coffee. That was it, but you know what? That could easily potato potato. Uh, a, a breakfast, an English black tea and coffee are very similar. Yeah. It's very good, very very good so far. And I'm, you know, we just lit up. Uh, you with us? I am. Okay, tell us about this beer. And while he's telling us about this beer, can you get me another one of these? That's a good sign. Mighty fine beers against the grain brewing. Okay. This is their 35K stout. It is a milk stout. I did this for Tut. Thank you. It's December. We're doing all these IPAs and blondes and pilsners with stout weather. Which, by the way, Tut and I are both wearing t-shirts tonight because it was like 80 (laughs) 80 fucking four degrees outside. (laughs) He's got the Santa hat on and a t-shirt. That's where we're living. Central Texas, it's a bullshit. Well, uh, and this is and this is definitely for Christmas. It, well, let me. Against the Grain was started in 2011 by uh, four gentlemen by the names of Jerry Nagy, Sam Cruz, Adam Walson, and Andrew Ott. They found themselves uh, working for other breweries in the uh, Louisville, Kentucky area. Okay. And they just felt that they could do things differently or wanted to do things differently. Better. So, well, you can't say necessarily they just weren't inspired by the other breweries. Gotcha. So let's, they wanted to do something that fit I didn't mean to put words in their mouth. Aesthetic way. So they came out and started, and in 2015 they needed to grow, and originally it was just a brew pub. Oh, so that's where they started, Brupo. Okay. And then they actually, in 2015, expanded to an actual uh, production facility okay. for their brewery, or to, to move their brewing operation to be able to create more. Uh, and this one here, like I said, it is the 35K Stout. It is ideal for Christmas, even on the can here. On their, in their own words, we're putting in a swimming pool. And if there's enough left over, we're going to fly you all down here to help do, do, us dedicate do. it. Which is from, of course, one of the best Christmas movies. The best Christmas movie. It is the best. Christmas vacation. The best. It's the best Christmas movie of all time. I agree. Uh, Don't you dare come at me with that. What about Die Hard? You're just trying to get attention, asshole. And and in in their own description, this is not your typical Jelly of the Month Club beer. (laughs) 
I could have left. I could have lived without. It, it was enough with yeah. the. Uh, it's just going to keep enough going already. Enough already. Uh, dark roast with Griswold hops. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Your uh, shitter will not be full <laughs> with this beer. No, if that was the one, we'd be drinking the brown note. <laughs> we know Total likes his browns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dark roasted malt, bittersweet cocoa, and coffee flavor and aroma burst from this pitch black milk stout. The full-bodied and, uh, and sweetness are derived from addition, the addition of lactose, a.k.a. milk sugar, which is not fermentable by beer. A healthy dose of English Kent Golding's hops, Ooh, that's a mouthful, yeah. provides a counterpoint to this ale's rich and complex maltiness. I am not, as you boys know, a stout fan, which sucks for me to go to Roma Craft here in a few days. <laughs> but I'm actually enjoying this. Thank you. I wore my hop flag shirt today because I was going to drink <laughs> one of these and then go to the whatever leftover. <laughs> I, we got some old IPAs in the fridge. I was going to like... And you can totally do that. But you know what? I wanted a second one. It's 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 very enjoyable. It is. The 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 coffee, I think the I think those milk sugars might tone mm-hmm. down a lot of what I usually don't like about stouts. Yes. It's got a really It really does. smooth swallow. Yeah. Mm. It's got great mouthfeel. It's got really good mouthfeel. <laughs> uh I'm getting I'm getting just a really perfect mix of coffee. Still got some maltiness kicking through there. It's got there. some maltiness. I am getting a little bitterness, which well, that's like really helping it for me. Like just a, man, and it's a, but most I don't get any, yeah. so it's just that little bit in there. Well, and and for its stats, it is seven percent ABV and only twenty six IBUs, yeah. which so, is still something in a right. world of nothing in, in stouts. And seven percent is fairly low for a yeah. a decent stout. I mean, I just I have been in a stout craze. Uh, Sitting out in my shorts on the deck, I even, putting just, up the Christmas lights. Even going to the grocery store, they didn't even have Guinness this time I went through there. I'm like, normally a, gr- a grocery store will have Guinness. They didn't even have that. All of it's freaking New England Pale Ale, American Pale Ale, Indian Pale Ale, Vietnamese Sideways, whatever Pale Ale. And I'm yeah. just like, God, man. I want a Vietnamese Stout. <laughs> Which are very good. They're underrated. No arguments here. Uh, or for our listeners, we like Syrian stouts, too. Excellent. Uh, our YouTube fans. Come now. Uh, I'm just, they're enjoying the show. They're nice enough to subscribe. I just want to... Uh, 100% anti-jihadists. Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Am I right? We hate those guys. We do. We do. We do. We do. I'm sorry. We do. Uh, and no, we, you know what? I'm not sorry. And if we find out any of you new YouTube subscribers are jihadists, you're gonna we're gonna have a tribunal where we decide whether to kick you out or not. You also, won't be you won't be invited to it. It's just also before reviewing, you'll need to fill out the non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should make all our listeners fill that out. I don't need people knowing what we're doing in here. It's the exact opposite of what a podcast. And is And this for. show is filmed live in New Jersey. <laughs> Yes, New Jersey. Um, don't you know? It is. It is a very. It, I don't see how you could be possibly offended by this stout. It's smooth. It's good. It's good beer. If you like beer, you like this stout. It's, that's it. There is no. And they don't lie about saying it's pitch black. I mean, oh yeah. the I edge of the it, glass. Man. I mean, you're not even. I'm not getting any light. No. That head's a nice chocolatey froth. I mean, it's just really good. 
Merry Christmas, Todd. This is Thank your, you. This is your present. Thank you. And it's a good present. That's, that's enough for me. And honestly, as far as tying it, we, we, we try to tie the beer, the cigar, and everything. I just... Tut's been, work, Tut's it's, been it's working Christmas hard. It's Christmas beer. Tut's been working hard at, at school, and he's been sick. I'm like, you know what? I looked at the stouts. It's Christmas stout. Boom. Christmas time. He wore his Christmas hat. Everything works out. Yeah. Until we get to the movie. Um, <laughs> there, Speaking of a movie. About. There is another cigar, which we'll, we've got a while till we get to that one. But... I was about to say, don't we have something kind of going on tonight? Yes, we do, Tut. And unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, I'm going to have to... Welcome oh. back, everybody. Uh, hey, guess what? Look at that. We got the technical things fixed. Crazy electronics. And in the meantime, all these cool prizes appeared. Man. We have a the giveaway of all giveaways going on tonight, courtesy of our friends at Southern Draw, the whole family. There's going to be several ways for you to win on this show. Oh, let's do it. A lot of it will be described when we post this episode on Facebook and on Instagram. You're going to get some directions. Okay, yeah. There's T-shirts. T-shirts. There's beanies. Beanies, we, both pink and black. Yeah, you get the Black Ignite. Yes. Which is their line that they donate uh, to specific charities. A lot of the military, the SEALs, I think, is their big one they're doing the helping this year, the Navy very, SEALs charity. Very cool. Uh, also, a pink Southern Draw logo. Real men wear pink. For, the, lady, for the ladies or the men who like... I, I wear a lot of pink. You guys know that. Yeah, that's true. I'm that's not afraid. True. I'm kind of surprised Cody's not wearing one of those. I'm not afraid. You want to wear this tonight instead? That no. way a listener <laughs> or a viewer could get a beanie that was actually worn by Yak Boy on actually the show. Actually sweated in by... That's going up. That's going up in value right now if you put this on. If there was only some way we could call them fanatical. Fanatical. Uh, you're going to get some beanies. By the way, those are toboggans. I thought a toboggan had a little ball on top. Yeah, I think to have a toboggan, you have Ooh, to, it has to have the ball. You have to have a ball on hand. So on I'm, I'm top wearing a toboggan. You're wearing a Santa hat. Oh, okay. Uh, beanies, Santa toboggans. Toboggan. We, we've got these. There's also an opportunity Santa to win. Santa toboggan. There's also an opportunity to win some T-shirts uh, with the Ignite logo on back. The yep. new T-shirts have all the different cigar lines on the back, yes, including the the pink rose of Sharon, which which certainly gets a lot of airplay here with us. You're gonna. There's coasters. There's stickers which we can throw in there. Uh, so to win those, there's going to be directions. By the way, you need. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, you need to look on YouTube because you got this big ass thermos that's pretty cool. You got this ashtray that's just all kinds of glorious. I mean, these are some Arctic good looking with stuff. With the Southern Draw logo, Heck this is made yeah, from man. a uh, quick draw petite Corona box. Check this out. You got a drawer. Uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, kick it over to YouTube. Watch this. You got a uh, just. Look at the varnish on that thing. It's nice. My God, it's glossy. You open this drawer, <laughs> you put in your cutter, your lighter, your scissors. Uh, it's got this great sheen on here. This is going to look great wherever you smoke. This bad Oscar, 64 ounces. Arctic is, Arctic. is the brand. When we showed it earlier, it was RTIC, <laughs> and I kept saying that, and he's like, I think it's Arctic, Cade. Look at this thing. You can put a 64-ounce thing of Old English malt liquor in here. It's going to stay cold the entire time you're out at the Deer Lease. Or of course, that's what anything you would do. that you wanted to keep cold. <laughs> anything you want to keep cold, Cade. It's got the Southern Draw logo on here. This thing is badass. 
non-malt liquor related. I might fill this up tonight with stouts and just drink it on the show, and, and then, then it'll, it'll be, be more. more. <laughs> I might do it. No, we'll keep this one pristine for you. I promise. Well, I don't promise. You got yak sweat in a beanie. You got kids uh, spit in a thermos. There's someone whoever gets is going to open it like whiskey's going to dribble out. <laughs> it's worth more. Um, well, here's the deal. To get some T-shirts and beanies, there's going to be directions when we post this episode on our Facebook page, which you have to subscribe to, on our Instagram post, which you have to follow us on Instagram, and you have to also follow us on YouTube. Uh-huh. For Tut, I'm going to go ahead and say you have to follow us on Twitter, but we really don't tweet we don't that really much. Do anything so, so you know what? Those three. Follow us on Facebook, yeah. Instagram, yes. and YouTube. Yes. We're going to tell you how to win these things. Here's the thing. T-shirts and beanies, that is. Okay. To win this bad... The thermos. Holtz, forgive me. This bad motherfucker. It's awesome. Yes, it to is. To win this and the ashtray. Yes. Look, it's even got little gold coins. I know. Oh, I know. The details are nice. A lot of nice little touches to this thing. Uh-huh. You are going to have to listen to this whole show. Because I'm going to give you two trivia questions tonight. Somewhere in the show. Somewhere in the show. You're going to get the trivia questions. They're not going to be hard. We're not assholes. <laughs> but you must, upon listening to the show, answer those and send the answers either to us via direct message on Facebook or Instagram. Yes. Send us a message saying your trivia answers. And put your name in the hat. That will put your name in the hat to win this ashtray. Okay. It's going to cost us a fortune to ship to somebody. Yeah. God. Or this thing. Okay. So let me let me see if I got this straight. In order to win the T-shirts and the beanie, you subscribe to us on Facebook. Give us a comment there. Here's I was going to put it in the post, but I'll go ahead and do it now, Tut. Thanks okay. for pushing me in a corner, and I'm ready for oh, it. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, I, Basically, when this posts on Facebook and Instagram, you're going to leave us a comment. The comment okay. I'm looking for is this. What is your favorite Southern Draw cigar and why? I'm going to be paying more attention to the why. Yeah. I like yeah. smoking this cigar because the first time I had it was this moment with my buddies or this. Yeah. I like this cigar because every time I go to my local tobacco shop and I pull it out, I know I'm going to get... I'm kind of telling these people what to write, aren't I? This is exactly <laughs> what I'm looking for. No. Uh, to, to win a lot of these prizes, that's what we're going to look for post. Just I want to see your Southern Draw love. I want to see what you guys are smoking and why you're smoking it. Yeah. Quick Draw, Firethorn, Kudzu, mm-hmm. Cedrus. Why do you go for that cigar specifically? Tell us why. Okay. And we're going to randomly go through there, and as a unit, we're going to pick out some winners. But these two are are, are big guys here. You got to sit. I'm going to. You got to answer the hidden trivia in tonight's show and send us a direct message. Okay. And in order to win, you need to sign an NDA saying that you will not disclose any of the. Two cents cigar clothes, not regular, but FDA. <laughs> All sales final. That's pretty dang cool, man. It I was is. excited. It is. You sure you don't want to wear the pink beanie? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, I'm just going to wearing this all week. It's great. I'm just going to leave. Well, I can guarantee you this: these will smell like the corner of no hope when you <laughs> get. It. We're so sorry. They haven't been worn. They haven't been drank out of, but they are going to smell like beautiful Southern draw cigars. That Speaking is of which, So that kind of gets that out there. Okay. When you when this episode drops, which is when you'll be hearing this, everything will be made clear. Yeah. I'll re I'll reiterate uh, the directions. And we'll go from there. How are you guys enjoying tonight's Desert Rose? I am digging it, digging it, digging it. It is a bit more robust. Uh, 
the I remember the one thing that I like about the Rose of Sharon is that there's a complexity to it. It's a it's a complicated cigar, but it's also a very subtle cigar. And this has a bit more of a presence to it. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's more Nicaragua. I think so too. I think that that you, mineral yeah. note, the mineral, that mineral and that earthiness were no not yeah. present in the original no. Rose of Sharon. No, uh, especially not you know a third of the way into the Rose of Sharon. Uh, the, this you're correct. This definitely has a lot more of a Nicaragua in it, which is always for me a good thing. I love Nicaraguan tobacco, but it still has that coffee tea woodsiness on the draw. They didn't betray that for earthiness and mineral. That is still there. I'm getting a lot of the Nicaraguan uh, mineral and earth on the nose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of taken the place of that pepper. There, there's a little pepper upon it, initial light up. Yeah. But whereas that was your main retrohale component in the original Rose of Sharon, I feel like the Nicaraguan components, the mineral and the earthiness, are coming through on the nose with that woodsiness and the coffee tea on the draw. It's, yeah. It's I smoking st- I, great. I think, that, I think that that mineral and uh, – <clears throat> excuse me – that mineral and woodsiness is combining to make the tea, uh, which is kind of neat because uh, I'm still getting that tea right across the palate, and it's it's a really good it's a really good flavor. One of the things that I do think is kind of interesting is that a lot of people try to beef up their Connecticut's and just don't really do a good job of it. I mean, they're always like, "This is going to be a strong Connecticut. This, this is, is a not. This is not your grandfather's Connecticut." And this one, this one actually delivers on that. I mean, if he was trying to beef up the presence a little bit, if he was trying to deliver a little bit more of that earthiness to it, uh, I, I think it. I think that's where it really kind of sets itself apart from the Rosa Shared. And it's interesting because it's it's interesting that it's the same line, but you have two very distinct flavor profiles for it. There are times where I really like that original uh, Rose of Sharon because of its its subtleness. Uh, I like that complex but subtle. Right, right. And I just there it's like listening to nice, well constructed jazz, and I, I kind of like that. Uh, and this is this is giving me something different, uh, which it's it's nice. It's a nice note. It is nice. It's a it's a really nice twist on on I'm gonna say it a favorite of mine. I, I'm a big fan of the Rose of Sharon. All right. Well, we're about like you said a third uh, third in it. I will come back, but we do have a movie to talk about. Yeah. And it's not all prizes and beers and cigars. Oh, we do some work around here. Well, I do. I had to watch this fucking thing more than once. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Merry Christmas to me. Tonight's film. No. By the way, this is also a Christmas present type. We've done more current films this year. Yeah. Which you're always begging to do. Wow, staying relevant. That's such a chore. Maybe next That's year the we thing can we can do some older films. Oh, next next year it's all fucking eighties. Oh, yes. I'm not getting out of the eighties. Come on. There's a little, and I might go with that tea thing. I'm sorry, right at the end of the first third, I'm getting a little floral component, which is really nice, which I kind of go with like a a Tazo tea kind of thing. Yeah. Keep my eye on that. Tonight's film, we're talking about Peloton fans. We're talking about Pete Davidson's shitty attitude towards his fans. Last episode, we talked about cigar fans. Yeah. Especially with the fans of small boutique like Southern Draw, some of the, most, de- Craft, some of the most dedicated fans out there. Dunbarton, Steve Saka, these fans are rabid. Rabid? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, is that right? Okay. No, no, rabid. Like dogs. They, just, <laughs> they salivate for whatever these guys are putting out there. Tonight's film is The Fanatic. 2019. Just hit Amazon Prime. You guys watch it for free. Yeah, yes. not to be confused with De Niro's The Fan. No. 
And there's another film or two called The Fanatic. This is The Fanatic, 2019. This is the only one written and directed by Fred Durst, the lead singer for the the lead singer for the quote fingers band, Lint Biscuit. And co-written by some other guy named Dave Beekerman. One, was not the Beaker uh, from the Muppets. I, one, I, I looked oh, into that. It, it Damn it! Probably would have made more sense <laughs> had it been Beaker. Executive produced by Bunsen Honeydew. <laughs> 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 I would, I would actually be okay with that. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, the lead singer of Limp Biscuit. I don't know why I put Limp Biscuit in quotes. The band quotes Limp Biscuit directed this movie. Uh, I don't now, know why I said that in Wheel of Fortune guy's yeah. voice. The lead singer of Limp Biscuit. <sighs> That's when Pat Sajak just like, I'm out. <clears throat> 40 years, I'm done. Well, thankfully, because I, that's the reason why Vanna White did the Slash show. Um, well, She did a great job, by the way. I'm, I'm kind of glad I don't do any actual work around here because... The, you uh, didn't know... No. The Limp Bizkit guy directed this film? No, and now it makes a lot of sense. A lot of things probably make sense. Especially the <laughs> five-minute Limp Bizkit commercial halfway through the film. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to start the film. As always, boys, you get something crazy from the cigar, or we usually never get anything new out of the beer. The more we drink, it's it's better. <laughs> fourth beer is better than the third. You're not going to believe this. The fifth beer was better than the fourth. This beer just, I don't know what it is about it. It's just talking to me right now. One of the top palettes in the known universe, according to a website. They said that about me once. Once. Yeah, they're not around anymore. <laughs> I took screenshots, though. I'll always, I'll always have it. It's always on the net. I'm going to be on Sunset Boulevard. Look at my phone. It's a screenshot. I was somebody. Somebody. <laughs> Sir, put your pants on. No. Google it. Google it's on it. the internet. Out there, the entire Milky Way galaxy. I was the only one that could get citrus hops. Um, I can't talk like that. We have another show to do this week. So <laughs> right, why do you keep right. leading me down that wormhole? Well, that one's gonna be even worse. You guys I, ready to talk about? This actually, movie? I got paid I by am Skip ready to, to talk sure about this. Talk that way. <laughs> I bet Skip will get a kick out of my Dallas Jones. I just there's so many questions about yeah. this film. We start things off. Let's get to it, huh? With a minute of screen time devoted to six production company logos that all had oh. a hand in bringing this film to us. Wow. Six. six. Lord of the Rings didn't have this many production companies help it get to our You remember our, when our it was eyes. just one? One big good one. Vestron. Orion. Beep. New World Pictures. TriStar. The little unicorn dun, shoot dun, over dun. the thing. Oh, I loved it when, da, 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 the, when, when the old United da, Artists ones just slid across yeah. the screen. Remember the old Warner Brothers with the red background? Oh, so simple. So effective. Not this one. But we had six. I mean, if they had just spun through them, I mean, you'd have like an... It attempt, was over like, a minute. You'd have a seizure from a strobe attack. Production company logos. And then we're shown uh, sunrise aerial shots of a large metropolitan city filled with congested traffic, homeless men and women sleeping on the streets... With a female voiceover, we'd learn later it's one of our characters, Leah, telling us this. Los Angeles. I call it the city of bullshitters. But who am I to judge? I live here, too. This place will suck the life right out of you. Some people pick themselves up after getting the shit knocked out of them. Others break down like an old station wagon. We can try to put off the inevitable, but everything breaks down eventually. I think our livers can agree with that. Yes. Sure can. Shut up. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she goes on. 
Even a person's spirit can be broken down here. But Moose? Moose is unbreakable. We then cut to John Travolta as Moose. Riding a moped through the streets of Los Angeles at dusk. He's smiling his ass off and waving to everybody as he swerves us up down the road. Do you guys ever... I've asked you this before. Do you guys ever, when I'm not around and you watch these movies I tell you to watch, get down on your knees and just be like, God bless you, Matt Cade. If it weren't for you, this movie would have never crossed my path. Oh, I say that often. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stop. Let's let's move on. <laughs> Moose arrives at a Hollywood memorabilia shop. <sighs> Upon removing his helmet, we see he's got a very unusual hairstyle. It's, it's, it's a gray mullet with a bowl cut on top yep. and shaved sides. Yep. He walks with lumbering steps. His shoulders slouch forward, and he frequently rubs his earlobe and then smells his hand afterwards. He tells Aaron, the shop's owner, that he can't talk long because he has to take a poo. It's clear early on that casual small talk isn't something Moose is comfortable with. Even when he asks Aaron, so uh, what's new with you? He's not really wanting to know what's new with him. He's not really listening to what's new something he's been told to do. He's been programmed by himself like you've got to occasionally ask other people how they're doing. It's very forced. And within these first few seconds with Moose, we've got a really clear idea of who he is. Travolta has created, crafted, say what you want about this movie, he has crafted a character, and in 30 seconds we know a ton about this character. Yeah, I, I'm on the fence as to where I, whether I think this is just the, the... It's obviously that Moose is on the spectrum. Some will use the R word. Uh, no, I no, am, no, no R word. Spectrum. Uh, it's I, I'm on the fence as to whether it was a stereotypical take on it because it kind of it kind of is, but at the same time, I mean, within seconds, like you said, you know, you know a ton about this character before he's even really got. He's been on screen for yeah. less than thirty seconds, and we know a shit ton about. And this what's guy. funny is that knowing knowing the actor well enough, or at least following his work well enough, this is him. This isn't. Somebody telling him what to do. This is him actually putting... You think the lead singer of Limp Biscuit is coming over to his house at night and giving him detailed well, notes? Well, I didn't know that until like five minutes ago, but now I'm like, obviously. But I'm also... Qu- as I started asking the question, you know, after further into the movie, it was like, did Fred Durst really write a complex character? Apparently, I'm going to give you a little... Just what I, did, I don't like to read too much about Fred Durst. <laughs> Apparently, this was based on his interaction with a specific fan of Limp Biscuit. Okay, that's what drew. He's directed other films, believe it or not, and okay. he's directed a lot of their music videos. But he actually has directed at least one or two other films. It's it's kind of what he's wanted to. Okay, as people realize how stupid Limp Biscuit is, he's yes. realized he needs to do other do stuff. Other stuff. I've heard okay. the words you've said, but I'm not really comprehending right. them. You did it all for the Nookie X. I guess so. The Nookie. So you can stick it in your... I'm Moose, just waiting for the cookie. Moose has... I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make it... A, I wasn't going to... I was not going to admit this on the show tonight, but I'm going to admit it. Late 99, I guess, 2000, I was living in Florida. I was away for the first time. Um, Is this... 
I went Are in, you I, that fan that I Fred went Durst was into, talking about? I went into a Best Buy and I actually bought the uh, hot the, the the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water Limb Biscuit CD. <laughs> uh, it had it had a really I thought at the time twenty years ago. Don't judge me. Just say just say technical. He did a song correct. with yes. Exhibit and I think DMX was in it yeah. and I thought it was kind of so I was like this is before you could just buy a song. Yeah, yeah. So I bought the CD. I bought a Limb Biscuit CD. You guys are never gonna look at me the same, are you? Hey, I'm. You know, a lot of people don't like the character. I was a fan of the Dead Man motorcycle character. Uh, I think uh, the Undertaker when he came out mm. for like oh, a couple uh, of years. The, the American Redneck, the American Badass, oh, the badass. American Badass. Wasn't that a Limp Biscuit song that he came out to? Dead Man Walking. No, I don't know, but I am looking at him differently from now. No. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was fine. All right, let's just move on. We don't need to talk about me listening to that. Well, Moose has dropped into the memorabilia shop to tell Aaron, the owner, that he's finally meeting his favorite actor, Hunter Dunbar, that night as he got invited to the cast and crew party. And I realized doing a podcast, quote fingers, really don't work. But (laughs) our Middle Eastern viewers on YouTube will love them. They'll get it. Uh, It's a cast and crew party for the new movie, The Friday Night Killer. Quote fingers. Oh, wait, that's actually the name of the movie. I don't need quote fingers there. Sorry. Aaron says, that's really cool, Moose. He's actually very patient and warm with Moose. This, whole, feeling, scene, this whole scene works for me. You get the feeling Moose drops in here every day, yeah. and the, the shop owner is actually... Shop owner was a good actor. Really cool with him. Yeah. But Aaron's going to have a ton of Hunter Dunbar autograph items himself after tomorrow night when Hunter visits the shop to sign copies of his new autobiography. What? Moose flips the fuck out. He can't believe he didn't know this event was happening. He starts, why didn't you tell me about this? He's like, what just kind of happened? What am I going to do? Call your, mo- you tell call your moped phone? <laughs> he starts pacing around the store. He's got tons of Hunter Dunbar memorabilia at home. But if he's going to get him to sign something, it needs to be super special. And that's when Aaron pulls out Hunter's black leather vest from the movie Space Vampires. Heck yeah. With Rico written on it and like gemstones on the that's- back. Just bedazzled. It's eight, Pretty sweet bedazzled piece. It's 800 bucks, But Moose begs and begs until finally Aaron agrees to give it to him for $300 on a payment plan. By the end of the year, you pay me that 300 bucks. I will, I will, I will. I really get the f- feeling that it was like a $25 vest oh, that he bedazzled himself. <laughs> and and elated. He's, he's just ripping him off. Dude, trembling Moose puts the vest on backwards. It's where the Rico's on the front. You got that on backwards, Moose. I, I know. I know. And zips out of the shop to take some selfies with him wearing the vest on a very dated cell phone. It's like an iPhone 3. Yeah. Uh, out, But he zips out on Hollywood Boulevard. To, he's big on selfies. I like the scene. I thought it worked. It was fine. So far, so good, yeah. right? Yeah. After a, then a very stylized opening credit sequence where we see clips of Hunter Dunbar acting in some of his horror and sci-fi flicks, including him wearing the Rico vest in Space Vampires, while we cut back and forth to an ecstatic moose driving his moped through the streets of L.A., just happy as shit wearing that vest, <laughs> Moose arrives home at his apartment, which is a dimly lit hovel filled with movie collectibles and wallpapered with horror movie posters everywhere. Huh. <laughs> what a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you ever turn the camera around. <laughs> uh, but you know what? It's actually not a hovel. It, it, it's dark, but it's actually like a, 
an old building and it's kind of nice. I thought it was too nice. It's for actually this guy. really it's large nice considering it's, it's in LA. In LA, it's very nice. <laughs> Once considering. again, you start asking, what does Moose do to afford this <coughs> oh, we're gonna spacious? Learn how, we're going to learn how he makes a dollar a night. I know. I was like, well, Moose puts on his favorite shirt, this kind of short sleeve, button down horror shirt, and rehearses in the mirror what he's going to say that night to Hunter. It's a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Dunbar. I have every one of your VHSs and DVDs. He knows that sounds good. That oh. would be good. But he also knows everyone's going to be saying that. Ugh. He's got he's to take it up a notch. He needs to be different. It then dawns on Moose that if he tells Hunter that he loved him in Space Vampire specifically, combined with his amazing one-of-a-kind shirt he's wearing, he can't lose. Hunter will love me, he says. You know what I love, boys? What do you love? Unique innovation in the cigar industry. And yeah, you do. Who does it better than uh, and more regularly than our buddies over at Drew Estate? I got a really cool cigar. I'd like to tell you good people about right now. Just take a second. All right. The Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process here that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. That's true. That's not fake news. It is not. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky, like our beer, <gasps> are packed into small torquettes. That's bundles of tobacco to you two, uh, oh. which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water's then added, while mints, capital I-M-M-E-N-S-E, all caps, immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. Not car jacks. Railroad, railroad. jacks. Not Wolfman Jack. He's not in there pressing him down. He's dead, I think. He is. <laughs> Train Jacks. He's probably in the barrel. But if it was Wolfman Jack, it would be incredibly immense. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. It would sound a lot like Alex Jones in there <laughs> pressing this stuff. I got chemtrails up in the sky, but I'm trying to press down this pretty tobacco. The tobacco is then removed two to three times per year, shaken out. We've seen this process. Watch our videos on YouTube of the Louisiana Barn Smoker. Then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. Who's got patience like that in the industry now? When you get an idea and boom, it's out there a couple months later. These guys are patient as hell. Drew State. Leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick and mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Used to be only on the Pappy Van Winkle website. Now you can get them at any Drew Diplomat store. But they also released the Pig Vitola. That is only available on pappyvanwinkle.com. Ah. So I put I, it out there and they put a new one, but once again, you've got to go back to them. I've had several, but I have not had that pig. I wonder what that format does for the does for the board. Oh, we got to get some of those. If only we knew some people. If only we knew some people. I'll see what I can do. No promises. Uh, speaking well, of scars, you can go to the website and buy it. Speaking of, <laughs> that's, what, that's what we get told. I'd really like to try that. Hey, let me send you a link. <laughs> <laughs> you're a little you're not quite halfway no, no. Uh, but oh dude he is halfway yes. look at that guy I'm not either I'm, I'm with you yeah. where are we at where are we at uh, we're pretty much the same spot uh, it's got that wonderful little tea that's still there across I the I am fully on board now I'm replacing my coffee descriptive with the English the, the black English breakfast tea I can get that little tinge of sweetness, which you, you nailed as honey. Little, little, little honey I think we're on the same wavelength yeah. tonight. That is that and the woodsiness 
is working so well together on the palate. That slight pepper with the mineral and the earthiness of the Nicaraguan on the nose. I said that yin and yang on the original Rosa Sharon between the retro and the draw was so interesting. That's where they kept it consistent because I'm getting a completely unique retro hail, a completely unique palette uh-huh. on the draw, yep. but they're working really copacetic with one another. And you know what's even more interesting? It's not too bad with the lactose sugar aftertaste from the uh, beer. It's going very well with the beer. Well, that's what I'm trying to differentiate right now is because I'm a little, like, you know, the tea, I'm not really getting, the the sweetness, is, there's still that little hint there, and I'm enjoying that, but it's Honey? Like, honey? I'm not sure. Like, is it... Heather. Heather. It's probably Heather. I, I got it as local honey, <laughs> which makes no sense because we're in Texas, and this is not obviously local honey. But it just a just a hint of of cream. So I'm hoping that's the cigar, not the beer. Which yeah, the beer's got I some don't, cream I'm to it. I'm not getting any cream from the beer. I'm, but that first Rosa Sharon was that vanilla latte was creamy as hell. So I mean, if some of that profile is still there, then kudos. I love it. Love it. In other words, a lot going on with this cigar. Yeah. Yeah. We like it's complexity here. What do we always say on the show, Yaks? Don't give us a boring cigar. That's exactly, right. Yaks. That's Don't give us a boring <laughs> cigar. And this one, this sucker is not boring so far. No, it's not a boring cigar. And I, construction's I really been great. Yeah. Uh, no surprise there. Draw-wise, uh, I use scissors. Do you guys use scissors or clip the... I uh, just clipped it. Just once and home yeah. run, huh? Yeah. No, construction is phenomenal. Okay. Um, let's get back to the movie. Oh, and the beer is... Yay! Yay. Tight, you got your stout. I know, and I'm so happy I'm, about it. Which I'm I, liking Which it. I got these... You actually. got a stout? How can you give me a stout that is so good that you gave me a stout? Why didn't you tell me you were getting a stout? I got these before I knew we were going to Roma Craft in three days where we'll drink 50,000 stouts. Yes, we will. But those stouts... Pop Nation, baby. But those stouts will all be like 25%. That's true. <laughs> And I never remember what those beers taste like. <laughs> I literally, that's when we need the video camera, so I can watch, like, what happened last night. Oh, okay. It's all... Why would you let me do this? It's all... Oh, you'll be getting a lot of that the next morning. <laughs> the whole ride home from Romocraft the next morning, I'm always looking at Yex. What? How could you? No, no personal responsibility <laughs> for my own actions. I can't believe you did this to me. Why did you let me do this? <laughs> oh, it's going to be great. We're going to have a We're going to have a blast. Um, well, later that night, we join Moose as he peers anxiously through a wooden fence in a dark alley. A lot of alleyways in this movie. That's, that's it's L.A. That's San- Los Angeles. Yep. City of Alleys. City of Alleys, that's right. That was the, the runner-up to City of Angels. Yeah. Uh, his photographer friend, Leah, shows up, and he can't believe she's late for this. He's been waiting for 200 hours. Since Moose failed to bring bolt cutters, he brought a pair of scissors... She told the ring bolt cutters he brought a pair of scissors. Leah has to... this guy to execute a plan? Leah, Leah does. She has a lot of faith in Moose. She, she believes does. in Moose. I think she might have some issues. She helps boost him over the tall fence. And put, she's put really strong. Incredibly <laughs> strong. Because you have to... We didn't really say this. Leah's a little tiny girl, and this is John Travolta. Well, if, you notice, oh, if you notice the shot where she lifts him up with, by him stepping in her hands, it's off screen. Yeah. There's clearly a big grip down there. <laughs> they put a step in. 
Well, they throw him over the fence. I mean, he goes he goes right over. There's a lot of budget we had to eat up by putting in this step in this alleyway. So. Did y'all notice when Moose went over the fence and fell that he was wearing the, the bright white Academy Sports and Outdoors New Balances tut style? All, all white, just plain Jane grilling sneakers. White laces, white sides, white logo. <laughs> it's white a trend. choice. A very fashionable, <laughs> sensible choice. By Moose. <laughs> he falls, busting his ass in his tut shoes. Uh, but he dusts himself oh, off. Wait, those were, they had black Nike logos. They had black soles. There were black accents. It wasn't just total white. You saw them. They're all white. They, no. Yeah. No. Y'all drank too much. You wore Moose sneakers. <laughs> you know what? I'd wear them again. They were my favorite shoes. Uh... The best thing we ever did was hide him from. We buried him. We buried those shoes. Whatever. At the Kentucky Barn Smoker, we put him in the <laughs> put, put him in the flames. Oh, I thought you were no, the Louisiana Barn Smoker. One of those guys jacked it in there. Dude, six months from now, he's gonna pull out those white New Balances from the another year. Put it back in. By the way, those were Nikes. <laughs> they were New Balances. Uh, he dusts himself off oh, and he heads. Those are had, my current shoes, new balance. And he heads into the, <laughs> the dressed, uh, uh, super fan. He heads into the. He has to go enter through the kitchen to get to the castle crew party of this restaurant. Of course, everyone is dressed super fancy while Moose wears his horror shirt and backpack, <laughs> rubbing his earlobe and smelling it constantly. TNCC style. A bartender asks him if he'd like a drink, and he asks for a strawberry milkshake with real ice cream in it. All right, we don't have milkshakes, pal. Get you a cocktail or a soft drink. That's not. This party isn't going to go well for Moose. No, I'm thinking that this is, is a bad plan. Not. Yeah, how did Leah not see this going sideways? Oh, she saw it, but you know what? Everything yeah. she does goes sideways. Leah's just as much responsible for this mess that's going to happen. I as, have a theory as, on this. As is. She wants to be on the news. No, 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 no. Oh, okay, we'll get to that. Moose makes awkward conversation with some actresses he recognizes from horror movies. He knows all their work, and to their credit, this weirdo with the backpack and the mullet, they're very kind and nice yeah. to him. Thank you so much. Blah, 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 blah. Well, you also figure it's L.A., so like even though you've come dressed to the hill... He could be the next big indie director. Why else would he be here? If they, well, let, if they let him in, he could be somebody. Well, it's obvious this guy has issues. He's on the spectrum. So, obviously, this is some guy's relative that... You know, it's just hanging out and being nice. Well, I gave the women more credit than that. I thought they were just nice ladies. <laughs> they were. One. Well, they were nice ladies. I mean, they were treating you nice. I just thought they could have very easily. They like giggled at him and like rolled their eyes. No, they were very cool. He was a fan. Yeah. And he knew everything about the movies they'd been in. It was. I just. I thought it was kind of refreshing that they weren't total bitches to him. Yeah. Uh, but when they tell him that, you know, he asks, of course, "Where's Hunter Dunbar?" Unfortunately, they say uh, his son had an elementary school play and he wasn't there. He won't be there that night. Uh oh. He wigs, no pun intended, the fuck out, uh, smacking himself repeatedly in the forehead yeah, until this, this is a little bit stereotypical. A bouncer drags his house. Ki- he's kicking and screaming out for Leah's help as she's over there with her camera Don't taking know pictures. Him. Don't know. She kind of lowers her head in embarrassment. <laughs> really, Leah? You, you did, didn't see this coming. Didn't see it coming, huh? Uh, okay. Oh, she knew. She you knew. knew. You guys are convinced that she knew this would happen. I don't know if she knew it would, but how can you not? 
How can you not know that this is a risk that's going on? I mean, Moose is well, a pretty... let's ask the question. Like bringing us to an open bar party and not expecting us to be like total slosh. Well, by at, the, the, at this oh, point, well, it's what like are we what you were getting It's into. like Romacraft. Skip knows at 3 in the morning what's going to be going on. Well, we asked, that's on him. We asked the question... <laughs> My wife says, yes, it is on Because, I mean, at this point, you know... That you poor see Uber him. driver... Like anyone else, you know, like I'm about to meet my my big, you know, celebrity crush. Don't meet your fans. But you're thinking Wait. you're thinking to yourself, he's he's all doing the stuff in the mirror, like, oh, hey, how are you doing? But what if he actually was there? You're thinking he's just going to be like, you know, just freak out. I mean, he's over there having a, you know, smacking himself in the face because he's not there. I was amazed how well he held what it together he be doing with if the actresses. Was? But then, yeah, when he finds out Hunter's not there, he just goes full-blown Rain Man. And, uh, well, Leah tracks Moose down later at his place, and she, he, she's furious with him. Her camera is how she makes a living, and he threatened that by flipping out while she was on the job. He didn't threaten that, Leah. You threatened that. He blamed... Very, very correct, Todd. He blames Amanda, the actress he was talking to. She's the one who acted like a celebutard and got me booted out. All I wanted was an autograph. Message. Celebutard is a word they use a lot. Both he and Leah. Message. Oh, and he blames Leah for Hunter not being there. It's your fault. You said he'd be there. They argue it out, but in the end, they make up. You get the feeling they don't have many other friends, so you got to preserve the friendships you do have, no matter how shitty the other ones True. are. Life will chew you out. We can relate to that, huh? Yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, we, yeah. That's what brings I, us back here every other Tuesday. I'm desperately trying to make new friends, and I just keep, you know. Yeah. I'm still waiting for that text one day from somebody. I found some new friends. Podcast is over. Well, I thought I have, but apparently you keep running them off. Mm-hmm. Don't you think I didn't know? I gotta say this: the actress playing Leah is not very polished. She could have used m- way better direction to help her come across as more authentic. It's it's bad acting. She's really she, did, she's really, bad. She's bad. I really didn't get into that that much. I'm the only person, not just here at this table, but in the universe that watched this movie more than once, <laughs> including the cast and crew. Trust me, she's bad. She's very she's very amateurish. And the way she delivers her lines is extremely awkward. With with a different director, he could have really done some some something I'm sure with this. They were this really happy. Fifteen not, views on Amazon Prime, but thirteen <laughs> of those was one guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna, blaming her. I'm, I'm going to cut her some slack. I'm saying a good director could have mellowed that out a little bit. Looking back over our filmography in the movies that we've reviewed, she's not the worst actors actress we've seen, and I didn't mind her. Wait till May 2020. We're doing beach balls. Jeez. You're going you're gonna to see some shit. Jeez, so happy. The next morning, we have Moose working Sunset Boulevard dressed up as a British Bobby. Yax, did I use that right? You did. Oh. A, a British cop. Yeah. Correct. Calling out things like, Jack the Ripper. Wait, that's not English. Yeah, it is. It actually Was is. it? Yes. Bob, poppycock. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. didn't, in my ears, it sounded more Australian. But well, that's because that's the way he pronounced everything. Yeah, but Jack the Ripper was Jack a fam- the Ripper. It was sounds a, English. It does. Oh, okay, yeah. I do an English accent. Well, sort yeah. of Moose style. Yeah. Poppycock. I'm like Hugh Grant over here. Well, I more just, like Moose. 
Just really have a hard time looking at him in the, in the uniform with the haircut. You're doing as good as the guy with the wig on and on the spectrum. <laughs> he takes selfies with tourists. That's what he does. They take he entertains them, tells them stories about Jack the Ripper and stuff. They take a selfie. He's got a full fake mustache and his little bowl. Uh, British cop hat. Dude, what are you doing walking around this? And I guess this is how he makes enough dough to pay his rent, even though we joined him out on the streets several times and we never gets more than a dollar. Yeah. Apparently I, that pad he's renting is very He ain't paying off that vest by the end of the year. There's no way. <laughs> well, he did say he has only got $300. Yeah. The guy should have asked for it in, like right now. Anyway. Oh, he was giving it to him. But he really, I mean, he's probably got a lot more. Look at all that memorabilia he has. He's That's been, true. He's been on the streets for a while. He's yeah. probably, a lot of people probably give him shit just so he leaves him alone. If probably. I give you this poster, will you just never talk to me again? Well, maybe also... Well, that's really I mean, cool. How do you think I got half the shit in here? <laughs> I mean, we're, you know, please, we're saying... Sir, please, we're saying he's just go away. Put your pants on and just never come back. <laughs> Deal. Oh. Across the street, there's a really popular street performer named Todd the God. Oh, God. Who wows the crowd with physical stunts like shoving nails up his nose with blood shooting out. While his accomplice, Slim, picks their pockets, much to Moose's disapproval. When Slim abruptly quits due to get an unfair share of the profits he steals, Todd tries to recruit Moose to team up with him, but Moose ain't having it. Moose tells Todd, you don't respect the boulevard, you don't respect the fans, and regardless of all that, I don't steal from people. Yeah, good job, Moose. He doesn't say it that eloquently. No. Um, But good job, Moose. Yeah. He's got principles. He does. He does. Actually, he has very, very strict principles on how life and people should act, which that's never going to work out for you in life, period. you got to loosen up a little bit. No one's ever going to behave the way you want them to, am I right? Yes. Very true. Can't hold it against them. Everybody's different. Kind of poignant. Did Message. I, did I say something poignant? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Moose arrives a few minutes late to Aaron's shop that night for the Hunter uh, Barton. I think I Hunter Dunbar. 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 Yeah, sure. Hunter Dunbar signing, but his friend Aaron shuffles him to the middle of the line. Good, I got you. Good friend. Once he lays eyes on Hunter sitting at the table head signing books, the world stops. Everyone else in the shop momentarily disappears, and in slow motion, Moose just stares at Hunter as his favorite actor looks up and smiles, waving Moose to come forward. Come forward, Moose. Lit from above, everyone disappears, a blue light. And almost angelic music. Fucking cheesy. It's a stereotypical movie moment that on the surface I thought was super fucking cheesy, but what Travolta does with just his gaze here... As he looks up there, it's not. This is what the pros do, man. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not over, over the top, top overacted. It is so fucking real and subtle. I'm gonna go ahead and say it, dude. Got, we ended the year with Gotti last year with Travolta as Gotti, and now we've got him creating this character. The dude is a fucking pro. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He puts his heart and soul into what he does. The guy's never pulled a Willis, as far as I've seen, a Bruce Willis. Give me the check. I'll show up, say your lines. The guy, say what you want about this movie, which we will throughout, and at the end we'll yeah. sum it up, and probably it won't be favorable if I'm reading the, the zeitgeist of the room right. But this guy fucking cares 
about what he's doing. And you can tell in that scene where it's just him looking, the guy is putting everything he's in, but he's a pro, so it's subtle. It's so well, subtle. God, it's good. There was a uh, there was a question or there was a conversation with Liz Taylor, and she was talking about you know acting and, and facial movements. And she was like, well, you have to realize that, you know, a little bitty eyebrow twitch on a big, huge screen speaks volumes. So if you, like, try to overact that that twitch, it just comes off as just crazy. Like the Peloton girl. Yeah, the Peloton girl. I raised my eyebrow, and now a dude's in the witness protection program. (laughs) Good tie-in. Good tie-in. And that's that's what Travolta kind of mastered here. It was just these little subtle. It was all in movements. his eyes. He actually yeah. acted with his eyeballs. Yeah. It's so weird here. It's crazy. It's so weird that he did this. That was my that was my one problem initially. Just give me the I close was, up. I was give it to me. really like, oh god, he's gonna at some point he, he's gonna do something and be like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> so, because it's so weird because, here. because of the the because of you know, just this, you know, my brain started go, thinking like, you know, oh shit, this is gonna be like. It was too many jokes like Tropic Thunder. He went, you know. Yeah. Simple Jack. Full R word. <laughs> full R word. And it was funny. I, well, I'll get I'll get into the full R word. R word. Thing later. is, it's the R word doesn't apply here. Well, I know, but it, it, that's my thing. Is is like when you say you're going to be playing a character that has. No, it could. It absolutely could. I mean, it's it's nice to say that he's on the spectrum, and yes, we've come to diagnose a lot of different things throughout that. But he's absolutely mentally uh, mentally underdeveloped. Correct, but <laughs> correct. I'm gonna leave it at that. It's 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 complicated. I, do I need to get my lawyers? That's what I told Jenny. It was like I mean, because we we have an aunt with Down syndrome, and you know, it can it can very easily be too far on this kind of character there, to where well, you that, get stupid but, with but, it. But that's 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 kind of where when the R word gets tricky for me describing a performance. I mean, this was nowhere near uh, Down syndrome. To me, this was a much more, you know, whether it be Asperger's or whether it be, uh, you know, autism or yeah. uh, it's this. This is kind of a blend, uh, a, a couple different things in the blender. Yeah. But I, but the, but as far as the the Down syndrome angle and the and the the mentally you know retarded angle, I didn't get that. I got I got all the other stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like the cigar. He was complex. <laughs> You're saying the cigar went full R word? <laughs> this no. cigar goes full. Hey, they'll use that in their marketing. <laughs> this cigar goes full R word. TNCC. No, no, of course not. Oh. We don't use the R word. But here. no, that's what I was. I, you know, I was very thankful for that as because, like I said, you know, initially I'm like, oh man, where are they going to be taking this character? I mean, those little moments like him watching Hunter signing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did. I did see that scene. Well, you went full R-word. Mm. Never go full yes. R-word. Y'all both thought of that? Yeah. Yes. That's yes. what I was thinking the whole time because I was like, as soon as, like, I just, the I haircut just, and everything, I was like, I <laughs> figured... Well, his haircut was very, what was the the the, the the funny thing was is that simple you, jack simple if, jack he, <laughs> he had the simple jack haircut if you just if you and if you dissect that scene I swear to god if he comes out in overalls I'm out of here <laughs> if you dissect that scene Downey Jr is actually telling Ben Stiller's character that he did a good job acting he was like you did a really good at job acting you swung for the fences I really like that role it's like no I'm not kidding you I, I really liked it but I'm going I'm going to bring this home with what you guys are saying now because Travolta did a for your consideration to the Academy voters promotional thing for the fanatic. I think I, I and put, you could tell it, it put that quotes it there. Was going there. And 
I think a lot of people maybe thought he went full R word and didn't take it seriously. I'm saying bullshit. I, I agree, and I agree with that. This well, guy yes. carefully crafted a very specific character drawing traits of this 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 I mental handicap. This mental I handicap. absolutely agree with that. I was convinced he sat. This is in my mind in his mansion with a bunch of books and videos of different mental disorders. Picked and choosed what would make this guy the most interesting person to watch in this movie, and created something that we've never seen before. And to that, I just give him. I'm, I, not, say, I'm not saying that we haven't seen it before, but I absolutely agree with you. He deserves a lot of props for this. He really does. I mean, he he actually did his research on it, and it wasn't so over the top that it was just a one. It it dances on stereotype, but it's not done to be a stereotype. I mean, it was, he was actually trying to portray a character. Yeah. It was something that he created. It was something that was trying to breathe life And he into. seems very proud of it, despite everyone laughing at it. And I, I, I don't get the laughter, because it's like, you can you can say, oh, it's directed by Limp Bizkit well, guy. Well, they're laughing at it because they think that, obviously, this was an Oscar pitch, that, you know, he took this role because it was going to be controversial, and because it had, you know, Oscar indie <laughs> it, talent. I, 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 I understand all I have that. never in my life looked at Rotten Tomatoes before watching a movie. I've never looked at Rotten Tomatoes in my life, period. I got into it with, with our friend Skip, who will be sitting with a few days. He I mentioned a movie to him once. He's like, it's got this on Rotten. I'm like, I don't... If you go into a movie and you care about what other people thought of that movie, you're never you're going in biased from the get go. Yeah. I never look at that shit. But I think this movie has like a record like eleven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like yeah, it's notoriously yeah. shit all over this movie. Well, there's and you there's can some reason, shit some all over for this it. movie. Yeah. We do it over hundred and seven episodes. We've had a lot of shitty movies with really golden stuff in it. There's a lot of there's a lot to shit on this movie, but there, you can't shit on Travolta. I'm sorry. No, you really the, can't. The guy was like you said, a professional yeah. actor who del- who worked his butt off on this. And you know what? Say say what you want about Scientology, it's stupid. But Tom Cruise and John Travolta believe in that shit, and also make amazing characters in amazing movies. So it's just proof you can be really stupid about some stuff, but still really good actors. Huh. Yes. Yeah. TNCC is anti-Scientology, correct? Hey, man, do whatever you want to do. If you want to believe in that, that's fine. I was a Scientologist for 10 years in the mid to late 90s. I haven't told anybody. You I just say. told us now. Oh, and all our Middle, middle Eastern... <laughs> I was about to say you just told all of Syria. All that's our Middle cool. Eastern YouTube viewers. <laughs> I escaped. I'll never wear that little sailing hat again. Hunter, I should mention, he's up on stage signing books. He's played by veteran child actor Devin Sawa, who genre fans might remember this. He disappeared for a while. Probably worked, but we hadn't seen him. He debuted in the movie Idle Hands. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was in the first Final Destination. He was a kid yeah. actor, or a yes. teenage actor. Um, it took me, it I took me a second. Him years. He, so. He's like Jeremy Renner kind of. He's got kind of a Hawkeye kind right. of That's gravelly voice. Am I the only one older than he is? Am I the only one that saw Fritz Beer? Yes, I can see that. But I mean, no, I didn't. I didn't think of it. Enough. I just, I, I'm not saying that I saw Fritz Beer on the dude's face, but I'm seeing Fritz Beer in this. Speaking role. of Fritz Beer, we are listening to Fritz Beer tonight, as we do every night uh, on the show. Go to fritzbeermusic.com. Buy. 
a CD, buy all the CDs. Go there this time of the year and buy his Christmas song. It's an Austin-centric. Uh, we listen to it around the house every holidays. It's a great original Christmas song he originally did with his band Punchy. Uh, fritzbeermusic.com. And for all of our fans in the Middle East, that's Austin, New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I saw Fritz in this role. I'm like, Fritz, I think Fritz could have pulled this role no, off. No, because to be a leading man, like Fritz is... I don't know if he has that, that, that ability to go from... No, no. You don't think so? No. I, I, I think that, that his he, he's got the Manson Lamps. He's got the Manson Lamps, but that's what works in this. Don't get me wrong. We're going to learn a lot about Hunter's actual personality. Um, Are we? He's a dick. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of. He comes across very cool. We'll, we'll, get to, we'll, we'll get to that. You might... I'll, I'll revisit that. Okay. Get this. Just as Moose's turn to approach the table and have his moment, leather space vampire vest in his trembling hands, Aaron tells Hunter, the shop owner comes up behind Hunter and says, your ex-wife Brenda's outside and she really needs to talk to you. She's parked in the alley behind the thing. So many alleys. A vividly pissed off Hunter gets up and exits the shop, leaving Moose, who's right there with that vest. Is he coming back? Uh, I'm next. He's coming. He's like, relax, man. He'll be back. Just take it easy. Uh, outside, Brenda has their young son Danny in the car with her, and she is fuming. She had a date tonight, and Hunter knew that, and he was supposed to watch the kid. Before they can get into it any further, Moose barges out in the alley with his vest, explaining, "I'm your biggest fan, Hunter. I was next in line." And Hunter says, "Hey, man, take it easy. Give me a minute." He's pissed off. Like, Hunter's pissed off talking to his ex-wife, obviously. That is never good. So Moose... Okay, okay. He takes a few steps back. Hunter tries to smooth talk Brenda, but she's heard it a million times. She tells him, you're full of shit, Hunter. He's like, how about I call you tomorrow and we'll smooth this out? (laughs) Uh, Blah, blah, blah. She's like, fuck you. You got 30 minutes. Yeah, she's not buying it. She peels out and Moose seizes the opportunity to tell Hunter, I'm on your side, Hunter. You're the best actor, the best. You know what, buddy? You need to learn some fucking manners, Hunter says, as he brushes past Moose to go back inside. Moose drops the, I have all your VHSs and DVDs line on him. He said he wasn't going to use that line, but he used it. He was desperate. And surprisingly, he knew it didn't work. He wasn't impressed, which he predicted it wouldn't. And even when he thrusts the space vampire's vest in Hunter's face, the actor isn't impressed, just increasingly annoyed. Hey, man, how about I sign your face with my fucking fists? That's a collector's item you're not going to want to take home. Trust me. Moose mutters a pathetic, yes, sir. And with that, Hunter re-enters the shop, leaving Moose out in the cold, and he fiercely dumps the vest in the trash can. We'll learn he goes back and gets it later. Not a, not a good first meeting between Moose and Hunter. Never meet your never meet your heroes. Oh, uh, Leah will tell us that in a voiceover later. She's so of wise. Of course she will. She's so wise. In voiceover, not in her real life. Uh, Tut, the cigar? Very, very good. Anything very good? good. No, that I'm just... Uh, that T-note has been all across the palate this entire, entire time. It is. And the tiny bit of sweetness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you with the honey. Um, I'm also going to give... That woodsiness has been consistent uh-huh. with that tea component. Uh, the mineral uh, mineral, and the slight pepper on the retro yeah. has been consistent. 
it's just delicious. It, it is, is a very, very good cigar. Really good. Construction's yeah. been great. Yep. But it, it, it is a departure from the original roast. It is. It is. It is. Like I said, uh, the, it's a definite branch off of the flavor profile from the Desert Rose. Which that had the uh, vanilla sweetness. It's replaced it with the honey sweetness. It's, 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 but you know what? I'll give it to Sharon. It is more robust. It is. Uh, the woodsiness is is built up a little bit more, but that mineral really in that the mineral is very. I've gotten it, a lot of mineral, and that that pepper has kicked back up a little bit. It's gotten more of a little uh, breadiness towards the end. Getting some breadiness in final third. Yeah, that's a man another component. Um, to me, the rose has always been their most complex cigar. Um, I, I I I like the kudzu. I like the Cedrus. Cedrus has some really nice complexity as well. Um, but the Rose has always been like, man, these guys really nailed the the delicate balance of different flavors. It's a really sophisticated cigar. And I think this continues that trend. It is a very sophisticated, got some nice, just three or four different, actually four or five different flavors that are working really well together. Uh, I'm digging it. I'm digging it a lot. I'm kind of curious as to why they they, from a brand aspect, you know, tie this into the Rose of Sharon, because it is it is a departure from that flavor profile. So it's not a tweak. It's not a. It has similarities though. You've still got that woodsiness. Does it, it have enough similarities? I think it's yeah. I mean, the woodsiness was so present on the draw, which it is on this one too. Yeah. Uh, in the original, you had that vanilla latte kind of coffee flavor, which they just kind of replaced with the tea and the honey. Yeah. Uh, the addition of the mineral and the Nicaraguan component really gives it more on the retro. Yeah. But I mean, to me, it is still. I would put it mild strength. Which is the rose? Out of yeah. all their stuff, the rose is their mild cigar. Right. Yeah. This right. is still their mild Connecticut cigar until we get to our second cigar, which is you know another. But I mean, this is still as far as you know. You got Jacob's Ladder on this side. You've got Kazoo Firethorn. You got all. I mean, Rose of Sharon is still their you know mild on the mild side of medium yeah. strength wise. But I would put this whereas that was you know medium body uh i would put this a little more fuller with the addition of that nicaraguan performance i think it fits well with the rose of sharon okay i I do okay i don't have that concern okay branding it makes sense to me uh do you guys want to talk price point your final third you're we're getting there uh i'm probably gonna say Come on, Yax, nail it. We're all looking at you, Yax. I know, I'm thinking about it. Lift my notes up like like this so he can't cheat. For the complexity, I would go higher. Sometimes I think he looks over here at my notes. I'm going to hold him. I think he does. Three years. I'm going to go. I don't think they're going to knock it out of the park price-wise, so I'm going to go nine. Nine? Nine? Thirteen twenty-five. Thirteen twenty-five. That's a big difference. It's nineteen fifty. I'm gonna go eleven ninety-nine. Eleven ninety-nine. All right. That's pretty good. I was about. To, I was it's almost right in the middle. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to think uh, eleven twenty-five, but. But get this, boys. 
famous smoke shop currently has them on sale for $107.99 for a 10-pack. So that's $10.79. Yep. If you apply promo code TNCC20, that's $87.99 a 10-pack, which drops the price down to $8.79 a stick. So that's that's closer to $9. That's over $3 less. That's less than you said. (laughs) Holy shit balls. Pass the Tylenol. That is the... (laughs) That is the best deal on the internet right there. Order a bundle right now. They got them in stock. They're on sale. Promo code TNCC20. Eight seventy nine a stick. Go right. over to Cigar Monster. Get you a cheap five pack so you get that free shipping. You're out of there for a little over a hundred bucks. Nine dollars. <laughs> Actually, I won. I nailed it at eleven ninety nine on the spot. You had it on written down. You can't prove that. Oh yeah, it's right there. Okay, uh, I think that's. I'm gonna be smoking on this thing for at least hour and a half. That's a, that's a good that's that's a good price, man. Especially when you put that TNCC code on there. All right, that is just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, good stuff. Uh, and it's going very well with tonight's beer. Oh heck yeah! I was afraid. God damn, I didn't want to do a stout, but it's December and it's 85 out. <laughs> We're gonna do a stout. <laughs> it's it's cooling. And it is a good good stout. I mean, it, it is. is just. Louisville? Uh, is that where it is? Louisville, Kentucky. It's not medicinal at all. It is just really It's really not good. heavy blasting you with, with coffee and yeah. uh, it's not. Everything is very subtle. The the milk sugars are I think but really it's well balanced. Thick and viscous and just nice. Yeah, it's viscous. Good stout. It viscous. It's motor oil. Yeah. No, it's not. That's what I'm. That's what I'm always no, concerned. It's actually, it's actually fairly. It's not syrupy. It's not motor oil. It's not. Well, that's thick what I. You know, you like I said, it is just absolutely pitch black. I mean, literally. It is what the doctor ordered. There's barely any visible browning on the edge of the yeah. glass. And actually, with the cigar, just, I forgot to mention this. I am getting a little bit of vanilla in this final, which ties it together with the original rose. I'm getting the honey was there. Uh, but in this, as the a little over the halfway mark, I am getting a little bit of that sweet right. vanilla. I, I didn't get any vanilla, but you hey, know, are we doing like a? Isn't there something special going on? I will get to that. Okay, all right. I don't our, want to rush it. I don't our first trivia it. question. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No, we'll get there. Okay, yeah. I don't want to rush. I will announce that uh, when we begin our second cigar. Okay, oh, very nice. I'm about ready to begin my second cigar. The next any, morning. Any second now. Well, we do have to talk more about this movie. Oh, uh, do oh. we? We do. Okay. It's a movie. I think we've already covered the high Oh, come on. It is a movie. It is a movie. The next morning, Moose meets up with Leah at a cafe to ask her how she and other celebrity photographers find the celebrities' houses. Specifically, <laughs> Hunter Dunbar's house. Uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> He's taking it up a notch. <laughs> Boom. Now, come on, Leah. Leah. Surely you can see, uh, apply some of that voiceover wisdom. Uh, these red flags? <laughs> Bad idea. Red flag. Don't do it, Leah. <laughs> I, was, in I, the was, universe. I was literally waiting like for the window just to see like a car driving by with red flags on it. Or moose to hold up red flags? What I'm telling you is a red flag. Don't help me. No. Leah ignores her initial reservations completely. You know, the chick who gives us the wise wisdom in the voiceovers. These are the things you don't do. But and here's she helps him down- what you do, she, don't do. She helps him download the Star Maps app onto his iPhone 2 in exchange for a French fry. 
He gives her a French fry, and she's very happy for that. I can't figure out in this scene because it really feels like to me that Moose somehow makes more money than Leah. <laughs> and he makes a dollar a night. And you're just like, wow. Well, she is a photographer. She does. It should be noted. She... <laughs> she, she does Sorry, make. She does make. But you know I'm right. She does make Moose promise to be careful and not get arrested for stalking. But seriously, me get arrested for stalking? That's hilarious. Moose says, "Is it hilarious, Yax? Is it a hilarious concept?" <laughs> Once again, I was waiting for the house lights to flicker on and off, but in with like red fashion, like they're in a coffee <laughs> shop. The baristas. <laughs> You just hear it in the background. Order for Arooga. bad idea. Order for bad idea. <laughs> Leah, bad idea. Leah, Is there a Leah, bad idea. Leah here? only wears bad idea jeans. <laughs> uh, she would be so much better if they were. Strong. Moose says, "I'm not an idiot, Leah. Of course you're not, Moose." That night, Moose sits down and writes Hunter a long letter describing his disappointment in the way he was treated by the star. Telling him how much he loves him. And he even draws a picture of the vest on the letter, which I thought was a funny touch. You know what? I'm going to draw a picture of the vest. No, that's, a per- that that's actually funny. perfect. That was funny. And it fits with the character. It really draw, does. I'm going to go and draw that vest. He ends the manifesto by telling Hunter to treat his fans better because without them, he's nothing. Oh, and he adds a PS asking Hunter to please sign his vest and follow me on social media. <laughs> I like to follow me on social media. I love how they didn't say Facebook because they're like maybe Facebook won't be around in ten years, yeah. so we don't want to date this thing. Yeah. But just kind of weird, everybody saying social media, social media, like without naming the social media. The the actual. I was waiting for them to like hold up the phone and it says social, social media. media. <laughs> <laughs> like the white beer can that says yeah. beer. Social media. <laughs> Which also from against the grain brewing, they do make a beer. Oh, do they? That's just what it's called. It's a beer. beer. Well, this beer is great. I'm a fan. Uh, Moose waits until sunup, and then he, with his star map app in his hand, hunts down Hunter's house. That's a weird thing to write. Hunts down Hunter's house. Not a good idea. L.A. is a driving city, and Moose apparently has enough disposable income. He's got a moped. He's got a scooter. But he still has enough disposable income to go filling his moped up with... That is Fuel true. to we've drive seen, seen, to the celebrity's home. We see it later. He's clearly got a in the lot hills. Of, he's got a lot of gas cans around the house. He's, he's not struggling for gas. Uh, but they're signed by the celebrities. <laughs> for being a seemingly C movie actor who's a, mainly appeared in cheap movies over the years, uh, the actor has a surprisingly fancy mansion down the street from Ben Affleck in the Hollywood Hills. Moose, breathing heavily, takes some quick selfies outside the front gate right before he's confronted by Hunter, uh-oh, and his son Danny, who'd been out for a morning jog. Yeah. Hunter sends the boy inside and then gets in Moose's face. I don't know what you're doing standing outside my house like some kind of deaf mute pervert, but I suggest you keep moving unless you want trouble. Moose swears he doesn't want trouble. He just wants to give Hunter his letter, but Hunter says, I don't accept letters here. He tells Moose, I never want to see you in this neighborhood again. But Moose cuts him off as he pulls out the Rico Space Vampire's vest out of his backpack, causing Hunter... When he reaches into his backpack, Hunter takes a step back. John Lennon style. This is going to get bad. Did you you notice when he holds up the vest, he said the name of the movie wrong? It's always been Space Vampires. He says, I brought my vampire killer's vest. 
I wondered, was that a fuck up, or was he was that supposed to be he's so nervous talking finally to his idol that he just flubbed the name of the thing? It could go both ways, but I thought it was kind of weird that he space vampire, space vampires, vampire killers. I don't Tra- know. Travolta just could have said it wrong. It could, it, but it could have been just like I'm fucking nervous. Who knows it could, what he's saying? It could. It works both ways. I mean, I said some shit to John Carpenter, the director, the first time I met him <laughs> that I I wish I could have back a million times. I think a lot of people have had, had that experience. Uh, it is, I'm actually I'm actually on Hunter's side here. It I mean, is weird the first time you meet someone. Now, granted, they met in the alleyway at the signing, but this is in front of his house. This is a completely different dynamic. Did you guys ever meet a celebrity that you're to that? You know, we talked a lot about meeting John Carpenter at a signing, just much like Hunter. He's signing shit, and I met him, and I ended up talking to him at length later that night, which was just crazy awesome and the opposite of Moose. And yeah. I did not come across as Moose in that. Uh, we actually talked for like 30 minutes. But did you guys ever meet uh, an actor, a musician, a celebrity to where you just kind of lost your shit? And no. And, no, you, and you met a lot of country yeah, music I've, guys. I've met, I've, I've met a lot. Uh, closest one that I would have come out to was uh, Jimmy Olander from the group Diamond Rio. Uh, in terms, I, I know for like normal people, they're like, "Why you mean? Why are you getting weirded out by this dude?" Well, because he invented his own. He basically popularized his own style of playing, created the uh, the Bender Caster. I mean, he just he created his entire sound. From a musician style, it was just so so freaking cool. And I met him backstage when we were opening for him, and I, it was it was just cool. But I mean, at the same time, it, but it wasn't over the top. It was just, hey, how are you doing? And fine. I I, I never got. I I, don't, I can't remember ever getting like totally starstruck from somebody. Yeah, you've no. gone to a lot of comic cons and stuff like that, Yaks. Where you yeah. you met like you met Stan Lee. Yes. Did you get flummoxed? I didn't flummoxed? get. I didn't get. I. I was just one of those things where you're just like you're like this guy who has helped to influence a very large part yeah. of my entertainment life of me growing up reading yeah, the books and just loving everything and, and it was just one of those where I was like you know initially you know you know you go through the line and I I was like nervous there but as soon as I got up there I'm like. Hey, yeah, that's, you know, I was, that's I was, kinda, you know, I, and I'm doing the picture and the handshake there, it's and all. Okay. And I was like, yeah. I was just, you know, and it, it's one of those where it's just, you know, it's it's the mill, so they're just ushering you through. But I, you know, I at least got to say, you know, get my picture and like, hey, thank you so much for everything. I will say, and I he got, said, and he just said, absolutely. And I will say, I got real excited one night. We were playing the uh, or a wild horse in Orlando, and uh, the guy who was doing our merch, he was also our driver. He comes running up to me, and this stage was like 15 feet tall, and he's on the bottom of it, and he's just holding his hands up. Two sweet, two sweets here, two sweets here, and he was just, I mean, going bananas. Fucking Scott Hall walks in. The wrestler. The wrestler Scott Hall, drunk and coked up out of his fucking brain. Allegedly. Allegedly. No, I will say it was. Well, I. I didn't see him do the coke, but I know he was shooting all night, shooting shots, shots, shots. And th- it was it was actually pretty fun. He came backstage, and I was just like, dude, I am I am a huge fan of yours. Scott Hall was like one of my top five wrestlers. 
and I'm just like, dude, I am a huge fan. But it was never like just such a like a like a Travolta moment to where you're just you know stammering and getting out there. My only moment like that, we uh, my second film, uh, I did a, a comedy and we got invited out to Vegas to a film festival, uh, which we were up for an award. And during that uh, festival, there was a, a, a thing going on for <clears throat> excuse me, John Sloss, the famed film rep who who discovered do the right thing clerks all these things and he was having yeah. he was going to get his own show on i think the independent film network or something and kevin smith was uh giving a speech to to kind of introduce the thing and we were staying at the same hotel and i got an invite as part of the film festival to go to this thing and we were at our little booth at this thing trying to sell our film and kevin smith walked in and came and was talking to us about our movie. That'd be cool. And I didn't get flummoxed at that moment. I was like, oh shit, it's Kevin Smith. Yeah. Because uh, my film was very much Kevin Smithy. Everybody's comedies were at that time. A lot yeah. of same dialogue and stuff. But he was super cool, asked a lot of quick, but everything. But the event was right after that. So I had to leave to go to the John Sloss event and I go out the side door and there's Kevin Smith and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey. I was like, I knew he was going to. I'm like, are you going to the John Sloss? He's like, yeah. He's like, do you know where? I was like, yeah, I think it's up on this floor of the elevator down here. So he and I walked down. Like, So then it was, that was different because I wasn't behind the desk. Yeah. I wasn't. It was just us walking. There was no safety net. It was just. And I'm like, I'm walking with Silent Bob. <laughs> and then I'm in an elevator. I got just, to impress Silent Bob. I'm just in an elevator with Silent Bob. I need to say something. And that's when it got super weird and like kind of moosey. Where I'm just kind of like. And he's like, so. He's like, you know, you got. It was just like, yeah. I was like, I gave him a DVD. Like, you're a big. In, you know, like, uh, you really played a part in this, whether you know it or not. Uh. Big fan, uh, you know, chasing Amy, uh, <laughs> like chasing Janica stuff. Afterwards, you're like, he's pulling out the Silent oh, Bob stupid. code. I need you to sign this. Now, that's when he pulls out the Silent Bob <laughs> grappling <laughs> hook and just disappears up into the sky. Like uh, that. That was the only time I was like, when I was alone with him in an elevator. I'm like, it's funny Ugh. that you mentioned the elevator because uh, I was reading stories about Steve Jobs and some of the employees from Apple, and they said the worst position that you could ever be in was an elevator with Steve Jobs because, you know, this is guy is transform, transforming tech and he's your boss and you want to, what do I what do I say? Do I, I need to impress this guy? Yeah. It, it just, but I don't want to come off like a just asshole. Oh, and by the way, this was too early 2000, it was before selfies and, and cell phone cameras. So when I got up to the Sloss event and he did his thing and we we're all kind of mingling, I had no business there. I only got an invite because of the stupid film festival. So I had a actual camera that I was asking people like <laughs> so I had to ask Kevin Smith if he would take a picture with me and he's like on the phone with somebody and all that so like and this chick was like drunk and trying to take a picture and I'm like that's so, like I wasn't even in the picture it was just a disaster why are you doing this wrong but why are you doing this unlike Hunter Dunbar he didn't call me a freak he was he was so fucking nice that's awesome. And he, and he actually was like, dude, I'll... I'll it, it was a promotional DVD I gave him. It wasn't the whole movie. It was just like some scenes. Yeah. And we're handing out trying to sell the movie. He's like, I'll check it out, man. He was like, dude, you, you've you come... He said all the right things. 
Like, well, dude, most people would never. You're in Vegas. You're from Little Town, Texas. You're in Vegas, trying to sell your film. You've already done the hard stuff. He said like all these great things, and for that, I'll always, you know, we shit all over his movie, the Walrus movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he wasn't smoking weed then. He was making good movies, but. Dude, he treated me really well. And that was kind of the yeah. closest analogy I can come to this. That's better than Scott Hall when I asked him to powerbomb <laughs> power the nah, shit out of you. He just shoved me in the face. Uh, he pissed all over me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Scott. <laughs> it's like the guy in Running Man. When <laughs> he hit me. He hit me. He hit me. Uh, okay. Well, uh, but you know what? Taking out that vampire killer's vest, those backpack, that gets Hunter even more pissed. What are you, some sort of freak autograph hound won't leave me the fuck alone? Then he takes a breath and instantly changes gears. Hunter does. Shockingly. He takes a breath, smiles. You got a pen on you? I'll do. I'll, I'll sign. Moose is like, yeah, I've got like all these pens. You want my autograph? Okay, here's my autograph. He jams the marker hard into Moose's chest and scrawls Hunter across the front of his shirt. Now get the fuck out of here, which Moose... He does. He gets shuffles off. Fellas, I'm torn here because on one hand, if he just signed the stupid vest, this might have ended here. Yeah. But on the other hand, it might have just led to Moose feeling like this approach worked, and he'd be at that gate every damn morning, thinking, what, thinking mean, they're friends. Dude, this guy shows up outside your house with your kids sitting there. I mean, I, I I'm kind of siding with Hunter right here, but I just I mean it's. Very aggressive. I mean, he's a, he's an asshole, obviously, but still. I think I mean, most celebrities are like, dude. His kid's sitting dude, right there. I have an agency. Send the letter to, to you know, ICM. I'll get it through them. My kid lives here. Come on, man. Just give me a little bit of space. Maybe I'll I'll sign it, but I don't want to, you know. There could be a, a very, there's a middle ground. There is Whoa, a middle ground. There's Hunter. There's middle ground. There's this, and it, it, maybe the middle ground would have ended this. I think so. I think it would have been, you know, I don't know, the Hunter character could have been like, you know what? He's this a is, hothead. This is this is a horrible pin. Let me go to my house. I got a better one in there. That so knife. Wait right here. Goes in, calls the cops, and be like, I've got a stalker out here. There was so much middle ground he could have done, but he, and, he flat out But just, now, I, now I, you know, once again, you've got to make the drama for the movie. The but, guy is a hothead, and we'll see that. Okay. We'll see that build as time goes on uh real quick i'm not ready to let go of this cigar yet i am getting that vanilla from the original rosa sharon in the final third i'm getting it um which is just another kind of cool complex flavor out of out of several man i'm i really like the cigar it's a good cigar it is it really is good i did like it Mm. nice flavor profile decent enough strength uh, yeah yeah no, it's great. Um, I gotta let it go. You're gonna let it go, Man. which means I should probably introduce the next cigar before we go. <gasps> Another on our cigar. Film. Another cigar. Can you guys handle it? I, know I think can. we can. I know you can. We're professionals. This cigar, Sorry. we're not going to apply a rating to. We're just gonna smoke it and enjoy it. But I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it. It is the 300 Hands Connecticut, also by Southern Draw. It is a sixth and one eighth by fifty two. It's called a Pyramides. Pyramides. It's a pyramid cigar. It's got a little pointy cap. The wrapper is Connecticut, USA. It's a Connecticut, actual Connecticut, Connecticut wrapper. Uh, the binder is Peru. We'll get a lot of Peruvian. We've had a few. Hmm. Filler is pure Nicaraguan. 
I'll say price point till the end. Nine dollars. But here's you son of a bitch. But here's why I want to talk about the cigar. Three hundred hands, or if you want to get fancy with it, three hundred manos, which is Spanish for hands, refers to the three hundred hands of the various workers from tobacco fields to the rolling tables, everything in between and after that are involved with making a single premium cigar. Each bundle of the 300 hands comes with an actual trading card. Where is it? I had it up here. You guys... You guys it was me. You guys move my shit around? No, here it is. Sorry. Got covered. You were reading the trading card. I was you? reading the trading card. Show it to our... If you're uh, in the Middle East and watching us on YouTube, I'm going to hold it up to the camera here. Uh, each bundle comes with this trading card. And what it does is it showcases just like a baseball trading card kind of. You'll laugh when they're like, we're from India, you fucker. <laughs> we're from Indiana. <laughs> we're here on a visa. We go to school. We love you guys. You're branding us as something else. Uh, it's a trading card of a worker, a craftsman. It tells you a little bit about who they are, what they're involved in, and what their personal message is to the end consumer. This here is Jose Raul Sanchez Molina. His personal message to the U.S. consumers of 300 Hands is please keep smoking and supporting Nicaraguan premium cigars, and especially those made by, at A.J. Fernandez Cigar Company. We are all doing our best to provide you with the finest quality, and it is a way to support our families in Esteli and Nicaragua as a whole. Local charity work? He provides food and snacks to school-aged children and possibly support the local families with supplies for schools and clothing. How can you not like that? Good job, Jose Raul Sanchez Molina. I, I think that's a... F- it is bringing attention to the people that actually put their hands on that cigar. You're holding tut before you smoke it. I think that's fabulous. Never seen it before. Over the years, Robert and Sharon Holt from Southern Draw have met and interviewed literally hundreds of workers in Nicaragua and listened to their challenges and daily needs, and they decided this was a unique way to both give, the, give these individuals some much-deserved exposure and help them out. How do they help out, you asked Tut? How do they help out? I asked Tut. Always so suspicious, this guy. How do they help out? I'm going to tell you. That's true. Southern Draw <laughs> donates 25% of all profits from the 300 hands line to local charities. That's one-fourth. That's awesome. And not the types of charities and fundraisers like you do- donate to, Yak Boy, trying to raise funds so the strippers down at the Yellow Rose can get new stockings and their high heels repaired. Hey, they need love, too. We're talking medical services, education, rebuilding churches, and worthwhile things such as that. How'd that fundraiser go, by the way, for the new stockings and high heel well, repairs? Well, thank you for Going asking. Good? It was fantastic. Did you guys meet your goal? We did. They yeah. can cover all their legs now. Pasties for everyone. So smoke one of the 300 hands for a great cause, and you might just come back to it again and again because it's a fine cigar. And I say that, having not smoked the Connecticut, I say that based on the Habano and the Maduro offerings, which we smoked yeah. last year at yes. IPCPR, and I've smoked several times since. I've not had this one yet, so it could very well stink. <laughs> Uh, much like those strippers' old stockings and shoes. Maybe that charity was a good idea after all. <laughs> I think so. Good job, buddy. Cleanliness is next to godliness. That's what they say. Especially with strippers. Trivia question number one, listeners, viewers. Dum, dum, dum. 
send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram telling us what percentage of profits does Southern Draw donate to charity from the 300 Hands line. You just heard it. Send us that direct message via Facebook or Instagram. What percentage of profits from the 300 Hands line does Southern Draw donate to charity? And that will put you in the running for either the ashtray or that big-ass drinking thing. Put that big-ass drinking thing in the deer stand, you're going to go. Put the ashtray and the big-ass drinking thing in the deer hey, stand, Hey, like I go. told Yaks in our video that we kind of previewed some of this stuff, this big-ass drinking thing, yes, you immediately see it camouflaged hunting. Dove hunting, deer hunting, this thing is perfect. Not only are you hunting, but you're representing Southern Draw. Two, say you're not a hunter, but you're just up in a tree, and you don't want people to see you, which is probably not good. And you're probably up to something nefarious, but you're going to get thirsty. That is true. We don't support guys up in trees trying not to be seen. But if you are going to be up there, stay hydrated. Or... If you're running around the the city of Los Alleys on your moped and you're hunting for Los Hunter Los Dunbar, Los yeah, and you're hunting for Hunter Dunbar's house and you're going to get thirsty on your moped. If you are out in you LA know. climbing over fences and hiding in the bushes of Ben Affleck's house, don't you want to drink out of something that's going to keep your what do we say? One fourth Coke, three fourths bourbon. This is going to last TNCC about thirty minutes. The average man, this going to last you all day. That's true. Uh, I'm going to need that for when I chase down uh, Matthew McConaughey. Now, this goes to a lucky listener. Yes. It's going to go to <laughs> I, Tayson uh, Juddle. You listen to the show. <laughs> um, there's your first trivia question, listeners. This is fun. I like it giving is. away shit. Again, it's going to cost us a goddamn fortune in postage. But no. you know what? Okay. Uh... Maybe you shouldn't have blown all of our funds on the marketing message. Oh, see. Yes, I, I actually, Tut, Tut was consumed with other outside things, and I actually did spend a little bit of our marketing budget, what was left. I, If you'll go to our Facebook page, or I'll, I'll continue to post it on our Insta stories on Instagram. Because it's freaking hilarious. It's great. We got to catch a predator's Chris Hansen to... to, to Pump up our upcoming show with Roman Crab. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was the best $50 we've ever spent in the history of the Tuesday Night Scar I agree. Club. I agree. I concur. Even if I had been here for that We spent $200 at that Mexican restaurant in the North Carolina airport. We can spend $50 on Chris Hansen. That's right. Who charges for chips and salsa? They do. <laughs> uh, and I'm sorry. Did Chris Hansen not come across as the coolest guy in the world? He did. He did. I'm a big fan of his To Catch a Predator show. I've always have been. I love seeing dudes... My wife, How they loved, react my wife loves all types of murder shows, mystery shows. So she appreciated it. Oh, she would dug it. She was, she was just chuckling all kinds. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Okay, uh, does anybody need the beer? I do. I, you know what? I'm going to shift gears. We have so many beers that accumulate through the the year. Just knew he wasn't going to stick with the do stout. I want Metallica Enter Night? No. He wasn't going to stick with it. Do I want a you know, No, you're going to go for that Don to Do thing or the uh, Unibrews. Oh, we do have some Unibrews. Yeah. yeah. You know you're going Unibrews. I'm just curious how that will go with the, yeah, with of course, the Desert of course. Rose. Well, you're a professional. I mean, you need to try all tacks. And yeah, I don't, uh, you know, I'm a scientist, a beer scientist. <laughs> Pool waitress. <laughs> for you and, uh, of course. Tut, kid. Tut, tut. Get some get some fish for you and the Why do I even do this? 
Uh, I am going to try the Unibrew. Thank you, Ty. You made my decision. We're shown some nightfall footage of L.A. and the Sunset Boulevard Street performers as Leah's voiceover drops this nugget of wisdom on us. They say you should never meet your heroes, but meeting them is not the problem. It's when you get too close. Close enough to see what's behind the mask. That's a line they don't don't want you to cross. No shit, Sherlock. You know, I'm not listening to any more of her bullshit. I'm not either. Talk about an unreliable narrator. She's responsible for everything bad that happens in this movie. And she's our voice of wisdom? She's yeah. making terrible decisions right now. Th- I got thoughts on this. A crying and incredibly... Well, there's no, no, no. I, I, there's a specific okay, moment I okay, have to bring up. Come on. in when yeah. you can. Yeah. A crying and incredibly upset moose. He just got written all over by his hero. Literally. Uh, can you imagine Kevin Smith did that to me in the elevator? <laughs> Snoochie boochies on my chest. I'm like... Uh. I go back to the hotel room just crying. I call Cody on my 19, 1998 cell phone. He wrote Snoochie boochies on me. I'd be there for you. Uh, uh, Snoogans? Not the right time. I gotta poo. I gotta go. I was <laughs> Lucy. Uh, yeah. Fuck, fuck Leah. A crying and incredibly upset moose man just pull himself together and put on his British police uniform to make a little money. Literally, he makes one dollar. One dude brings his kid over because all the other street... Marilyn Monroe's busy. Why would you do that? Uh, Jack the Ripper! All right, here. Why? Here's a dollar. Why would you expose your son to this? Uh, <laughs> I'm not taking this weirdo. Uh, after a shift, the very popular Todd the God and his partner Slim... Slim's back. He... Realized he left a good thing. He's back with Todd the God. Slim is... You get the feeling Slim leaves every day. I'm out of here, man. Fuck you. Next day, they're working together. And Slim, of course, is played by James Paxton. Bill Paxton's son. What? What? You don't see that looks often. What? Yeah. But he's so bad. (laughs) He's young. But he's... Terrible. Kind of reinforces my my theory. Like Todd the God and Slim are the worst. That's Bill Paxton's son. It is. Uh. <laughs> he pours more energy. <laughs> I just. I need to make it go away. I got a poo. <laughs> Hold I on. Get, I rub my earlobe. <laughs> I just pooed. Really? It is. Yes. Now I feel like shh. God. Well, I was curious, like who he hates Bill Paxton, so you should be relishing in this. I, I, I don't hate Bill. Yeah, Paxton. you shit all over him until he died, and I then did. you got a conscious. Yeah, I did. Well, <laughs> I love Bill Paxton. I just God, really game over, man. Game over. Really? That's Bill Paxton's yes. son. Well, I mean, let's, no way, man. You take on on. I don't uh, know what other acting he's done. I normally I, I encourage you guys to do some research and some. Oh, now he's like, don't ever look it up again, ever. I, I want to know nothing. I just love the fact that that surprised look that he had on his face when he was like, that's real packed. D- dude, you got me. I was not expecting that. Now I'm like all conflicted. Well, they bully, he acts like a 12-year-old boy. They bully Moose around. 
They bully Moose around real good. Todd even grabs Moose's head and shoves it down into Bill Paxton's son's crotch. To bl- it it, to it blow, changes, to changes blow, the dynamic. To blow him. Man, I hate these guys. Both the actors and their characters. But you know what? Slim, I felt like he has room to grow as an actor. Oh. I felt like he was just getting his feet his feet wet. He, he's starting. He's starting. I'm going to give him a pass. Has nothing to do with Bill Paxton. <laughs> going down, going down, right back up. <laughs> Before things can get too messy with Moose's face and Bill Paxton's son's crotch, a likable old security guard walks in and saves Moose's ass. Oh, I got big problems with this dude. After the douchebags leave, the security guard tells Moose, You can't let people keep shitting on you. You're a good guy, Moose, but one of these days you're going to have to need to learn and stand up for yourself. You're going to have to learn to fight back. Man, did the screenwriters really feel like they needed this speech from some random one-scene character to push Moose into action? I think... No, scratch that. I know John Travolta was doing a really good job of that by himself with the way he was letting this character develop. You don't need the wise old African-American security guard to come in and push him. No. I can see where this scene existed on the page. Maybe whatever actor we I get to do. I think this is kind of a Rudy scene. Isn't it? Maybe if we get the bad actor, the scene might be. The minute you see what Travolta's doing with this character of Moose, that goes on the editing floor. You don't need this random dude telling him to get into action. Yeah. Travolta's doing a very good job of that on his own. X this shit out. I think this was kind of the Rudy moment with the uh, Charles. Was it Charles Dutton or something? What are you? Three hundred pounds and nothing. Five foot nothing. Yeah, it screamed Rudy. I've never seen Rudy, but it is the Charles Dutton role. Yes. And it has no place in this. As soon as you see that, oh, God, Travolta showed up to play. Get this shit. He's handling this. Leave him alone. What? You didn't need to see that. You didn't need to see. I mean, first of all, just... The sequence of events of the last few days are really propelling Moose to go where he's going. He doesn't need some random old dude telling him to fight back and do this. He's he's getting there on his own. Travolta's building on that scene by scene. Get the shit out of there. That belongs in the editing room floor. Well, it's and it implies that he needs some sort of external stimulus to do. Or anything. at least just let have freaking Leah do another voiceover for Christ. Oh, sakes. she's coming. <laughs> She's in the like, corner of the bathroom. Uh, in most Principal McCullough. <laughs> if you're going to do a half-assed voiceover, you could at least say something that doesn't betray your motives in the movie. <laughs> the next morning, Moose is back at Hunter Dunbar's gate. Who of saw that happening? Well, Leah's voiceover tells us, once you've found the cookie jar, it's hard not to go back for more. I kind of like that one, actually. But again, much like the security guard's speech, I don't need to hear her explain to me Moose's psychology. You got John fucking Travolta acting his ass off in this thing. Let him run the show. <sighs> I hate these voiceovers. So I'm not, you know what, guys? I'm not going to mention any of her voiceovers again. They're going to pop up. But I'm not going to talk about them. Eventually, you will. Think so? Yeah. I mean it this time. I'm not going to bring them. <laughs> we'll see if we're who's right, Tut. We'll see. Well, we're never going to do two cigars again. We're never going to do this again. Hey, Pete, I got one more question for you. (laughs) Five questions ago. (laughs) Moose scales the iron fence that surrounds the uh, Hunter Dunbar property. His letter to Hunter gripped firmly in his hand. The first thing he notices in the backyard is a dead flower in a pot. 
Why would Hunter Dunbar let this flower die? By saying that loudly, a housekeeper in the house <laughs> who's dusting notices him from the kitchen window and yells at him, get the hell out of here. Moose runs off, dropping the letter on the ground. He runs back into town, straight to Leah, where he tells her what he did. And when she freaks out, he tells her, I'm not in trouble. I didn't get caught. I'm not a stalker. I'm a fan. If anyone should know that, it's you. And he accuses Leah of being mean to him, just like Hunter's ex-wife is mean to Hunter. He's trying to build similarities between him and his hero. Moose leaves in a huff. I actually missed that. That was a good call. Moose leaves in a huff, but he's almost immediately pounced out of an alleyway. It's Los Angeles. Was it the second biggest city in America? And all these people are just like, then you can't walk anywhere without bumping in. Oh, it's the old security guard. It's actually, oh, it's Leah. <laughs> oh, it's Todd the God. It's actually a myth. It's a, there's only five alleyways in Los Angeles. Just, they're so congested, though. Uh, he's immediately pounced upon leaving Leah by Todd the God, who demands Slim is left. Bill Paxton's son is left again. So, Moose, I want you to work with me hustling money from the tourists that night. Todd calls him a pussy. You don't have the balls to go after what you want. You need money. Come get it. And once Todd shoves him in the chest between Hunter, between Leah's, it's a, it's a, it's Moose over. finally snaps. He grips Todd's throat with both hands and slams him against the side of the alley building, telling him, I wish Freddy Krueger would come and chop your head off so it would roll in the street and a truck would run it over and squish it and the blood would splatter everywhere and everyone would watch your head spurting blood. That's some specific shit. It is very specific. Holy shit. It's almost like he's thought about it <laughs> and only now acting on it. Moose releases... Which I really like. Moose releases Todd the God's throat, turns the corner sobbing uncontrollably, where he runs right into the wise old African-American well, security guard. Like I said, guard, there's only five alleys. They're all right there. Who tells him, I'm proud of you, Moose, for standing up for yourself. Yeah. Hey. You almost killed that guy. I heard, you, I heard you three alleys over. I had to come and tell you. Nobody has ever told Moose they're proud of him. Never happened. People need to stop picking on me, Moose says, and I'm going to make them stop. Here we go. You know what I hope they never stop making, boys? What's that? That's right, Tut. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar from Drew Estate. This unique stogie is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand select. I should bring Skip one of these. I bet. I wonder if he's ever had one. I don't know. I'll bring him one. Okay. Because we're going to be doing these live reads for the commercials during his show, so I'll, <laughs> I'll give him one. Uh, or you guys could throw one of yours. We got a, actually. Uh, they gave me a couple to keep away from the personalities. They were just like, dude, just just film. Just here's here's a cigar. Go. Much like Hunter Dunbar, if he would have just signed the autograph and just kept him over the distance, and I finally smoked him. You smoked them all. Yeah, I did. I got nothing left to give Skip. Sorry. You smoked all yours, too, didn't you, Cody? Yes. That's a testament to how good the Pappy Van Winkle cigars. I might have a couple I'll bring for the Roma Craft boys. Uh, hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water's then added while mince pressure... I'm talking immense pressure. Uh, is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two, three times per year, shaken out, then repacked 
The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. My God, that's a long time. Leaving a truly unique, I give them that. There's nothing else like it. Flavor profile and aroma. The Pat Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick and mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Go get you some. <laughs> Go get you some. A lot of people say they're doing something different in the industry. This is actually something different. Back at Hunter Dunbar's mansion, which, by the way, I'm the only one still nursing this Desert Rose, the Unibrew, La, was it the Chambly Day? Something. The Blanche de Chambly? It's going really well with that, too. Imagine that, a Unibrew. Uh, that looks very precarious sitting over there on that table. Perhaps it should be on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> it just says. Uh, Does Moose listen to reason? Moose is special. I'm not moving that bottle. Would you please just, move that bottle? Oh, my God. I, I'm going to move it for you. I'm just going to hit the table, and it will move. Nope. It stays there. It'll be it'll be fine. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Again, for all you Middle Eastern listeners uh, on YouTube, or watchers on YouTube, you watch that bottle. It's not going anywhere all night long. Much like Leah, Leah should know this is a bad idea. Cade tempted fate like Icarus flying too close to the flame. Like Icarus. <laughs> Such brilliant writing with Leah's voiceovers. Uh, no, it doesn't I'm change. Just, I just watched that bottle. Just nope. It's not going to... Well, yeah, if you bang the table, it will, but I'm... It's t- just sitting city, there. 107 episodes, I've lined beers up. Have I ever lost... Well, I've lost a couple of them. Yes, <laughs> you have. I think the beginning of this movie was very poignant. Everything falls down. That is true. Even Cade's beer is like an old station wagon. <laughs> like an AMC pacer. Everything would crumble. <laughs> Oh my God. Back at Hunter Dunbar's mansion, Dude, you're cleaning that up. his sexy Latina housekeeper, Dora, of course, is telling him about the stranger she chased off the property earlier that day. So not only does the star of Space Vampires live in the Hollywood Hills, he can afford help? Yeah, groundskeeper and this. They all do. Come on, Fred Durst. You should know better. They should have at least established he was a child actor, maybe some royalties, or he had a TV show. Nobody being in space vampires is has a, well, we a full time maid. Space vampires could be like a ginormous hit. It could. They, we saw scenes from it. It wasn't a giant hit. It could have been a uh, yeah. cult hit. Hunter cult. tries to comfort the. Visit. I'm, with I'm with you. Maybe he got paid a lot and the movie tanked. I'm with you. I think it's bullshit. He lives in his house and he has a housekeeper. But Hunter tries to comfort. I've seen these genre, these horror actors. They go to conventions and they take fifteen bucks for a picture and a signed, you know, eight by ten. They're not living in Hollywood Hills with maids. Anyway, Hunter tries to comfort the visibly upset housekeeper by shoving his tongue down her throat, but she pulls away. We can't do this anymore. Besides, there's laundry to do. Hey, the laundry's not gonna do itself. That's true. What a class act this guy is. He's They've given us nothing to like about this dude other than he's kind of okay with his kid. He makes yeah. his kid brush his yeah. teeth, and he's kind of a good dad when he's around. Except but otherwise, he has, he's except, kind of a, Except that he has poor naming choice. Danny? What do you mean? What do you mean naming choice? His name is Hunter. Yeah? And he named his son Tanner. No, Danny. <laughs> Tanner. His name's Danny. I thought it was T- Tanner. No. Here's where it gets weird. 
the opening scene where the mom, the ex-wife, pulls up in the car outside, she says, Tanner, she has a date and you were supposed to watch Tanner. The entire rest of the movie and on IMDb, he's referred to as Danny. They couldn't even, Fred Durst couldn't even get this right. They call the kid the wrong name in a scene and he leaves it in there. The kid is called Tanner and Danny. More though, it's called Danny than Tanner. Which, Danny Tanner is the dad on Full House. It's Bob Saget. Which I just now realized saying this out loud. But Which Hunter... Which, no way was Fred Durst trying to pull a riddle like, but put Danny and Tanner together. Like It's not The Shining where you have to put together the riddles of all the shit. Wait. No, you, it was just a horrible ch- Wait. choices of events. Fred Durst is stalking Danny Tanner. Boom. He loves Bob Saget. Who doesn't? I, 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 don't. I really don't. He's overplayed. Well, guess what? He goes outside to tell his gardener, Julio, he has a gardener! Don't they all? I guarantee you, I've been to a lot of horror conventions. None of those dudes have gardeners named Julio or maids named Dora. They're living in a one-bedroom apartment just trying to make bills till they get paid a couple hundred bucks to be in a well, maybe Moose needs to movie. direct his anger towards him because he let that flower die. Yeah. You know, He's Julio. not that good of a gardener if there's yeah. dead flowers on the property. Julio lives. Here we go. A little later... But yeah, they totally call him Tanner in one scene, Danny in another scene. How do you not catch that? No, yeah, I caught it. Hey, did you guys Except notice I... that the mom called the kid the wrong name? Yeah, leave it in there. <laughs> be fine. <laughs> I remember we were on the Blink-182 tour in 90... Come on! (laughs) A little later, Hunter and his son, whatever his name is, head out for whatever his name is, soccer game. I'm going to call him Danny, because that's what they called him most of the movie. Danny Tanner. Oh, in Hunter's expensive sports car. But of course. Before that. The space vampire money right there. Space vampire money, that's right. As soon as they leave, Moose is back over that fence. He sees Dora grabbing his letter off the ground, and he sprints out of the bushes, screaming at her, Don't read it! Don't read it! Dora starts swinging. Is it a duster? Yes. Her duster at Moose repeatedly, beating him with it, which doesn't hurt. It's just a duster. Shouting at him to leave until he eventually pushes her back, and he pushes her so hard, she flies back, causing poor Dora to stumble back and crack her head wide open on a birdbath. Uh-oh. I guess Dora won't be exploring anymore, huh? Oh, I knew that one was coming. It was only a matter of time. Moose then helps himself inside the house. I don't know, but see, this is the point where he, I'm like, this scene here... It does ah. go very much against the boost that we've seen, because he goes from a three, maybe a four, to eight like that. How do you go from the the hesitant, sheepish, I'd like your autograph, sir, to just strolling in the house, playing the piano, running around, screaming, singing, like he After goes... After you just killed somebody. Yeah, but my problem it's just is, a nosebleed. is that the, the... It's just a nosebleed. I've had him before. It's it bad, turned, but you'll be okay. He it, doesn't realize he killed her. It turned, into, he, it turned into mice and men, like... Lenny? Yes. The rabbits? Lenny. You know, he's like, hey, oh, hey, you're going to be... You're going to be fine. Don't, you know... And, it's very mice and menish. Good oh, call. I was just like, ah. 
Moose helps himself inside. He's giddies of schoolgirls. He snaps selfies of himself with Hunter's various awards. Plays around on Hunter's piano, which I mean just bangs on the keys like a crazy person. And he puts a set of antlers on his head while he runs around the living room yelling, Moose in the house! Moose in the house! Here's Moosey! That seemed like a big jump to me. I'm not a stalker. I'm just trying to get to just taking over this dude's house. That was a big jump. Maybe downside, deep downside he knew he killed her and that... What the hell? I don't think so, but... I don't know. I, this is where the story falls off the rails. He's complete... Oh, tut. In my notes, he's completely off the rails now. <laughs> yeah? In fact, he sticks around until nighttime as he takes a dump in Hunter's master bathroom <laughs> while is... reading a script that Moose feels isn't right for Hunter. Of course, this is... Dude, he just squats down and just helps himself and takes a dump and reads the whole script. After brushing his teeth with Hunter's toothbrush and his tongue and, like, gets it all over, he discovers Hunter's prescription sleep medicine and is very disappointed in his hero that he's taking drugs. Drugs are bad, Hunter. You shouldn't be taking these. As Moose watches old family videos on Hunter's camcorder, he hears the actor ride back home to get dressed for a party, so he hides in the back of his closet. Here, it wasn't clear to me if this was later that night or if he's stuck in that closet till the next night. Because it looked to me like Hunter was getting ready to go out and party. Go out and party, yeah. But then we cut to him and his son in that bathroom brushing his teeth, which it didn't seem like... So I, I thought maybe a whole day passed. I thought so, And the too. guy just stayed in that closet. But then I'm like, so nobody discovered poor Dora, Dora out in the out yard? For, that was my thoughts exactly. Editing-wise, it was very unclear. Was this later that night or a whole day passed? I thought if a whole day passed, we should have got some shots of L.A. with another Leah voiceover. You can stay in the back of the closet as much as you want, but eventually, somebody's going to need their blazer. Thanks, Leah. Now I'm criticizing her for a voiceover she didn't do. <laughs> uh, we knew we'd be going back to it. Well, we join Hunter <laughs> tucking... Whenever it is, we join Hunter tucking his son Danny into bed. And as they're talking, we see Moose's hand reach out from under Danny's bed and grab one of his toys and pull it under. Creepy. He, he's officially now the boogeyman under the bed. Yeah. He's he's he, he's all in. When Hunter washes some insomnia pills down with a couple of IPAs, TNCC style, and passes out in the living room. TNCC style. <laughs> Moose takes a selfie with his unconscious idol. The guy's passed out in the chair. He also gives him a kiss on the forehead, covers Hunter with a blanket to keep him warm, and then he settles down for the night in a chair next to Hunter. But not before rubbing Hunter's earlobe, smelling it, and then putting his finger under Hunter's nose to make him smell his own earlobe. I'm not sure what that was about. Am I wrong or is that weird? That is weird. Very weird. As he sits in silence in the chair next to Hunter, Moose has a very... Stereotypical black and white flashback where we see his promiscuous mother fooling around with some dude back in the 50s while her little moosey watches Night of the Living Dead on TV. Y'all know how I feel about filmmakers using Night of the Living Dead in this shit. Go back to our, the uh, what was it, The Void, yeah. where it was playing in the hospital. If you really want to pay homage to George Romero, show one of his fucking movies that pays some money to his family members... Everyone and their fucking kid puts Night of the Living Dead in their movie because it's free. We get it. 
this movie makes a big deal out of it. Like later on, he's like, "Not Living Dead." Like, I hate fuckers. And guess that I finished watching this movie. I turned on Lifetime. Big Lifetime movie guy, you know that. Mm. It's like the wrong husband or the wrong thing. Guess what? Night Living Dead's on that TV too. Same night, two. F- the wrong Romero movie. 107 episodes, boys. We've done like four movies that have used Night of Living Dead for free in their fucking movies. There's no excuse for it. You're a piece of shit filmmaker if you ever put Night of Living Dead in your movie. Fuck you. I digress. It just makes me want to barf every time I see it. Well, I want to pay homage to George Romero. Yeah, how about pay homage with him with one of his movies where his family gets some royalties, you asshole? Yeah, but for the non-horror people, he's Fred Durst. He's got Limp Biscuit money. Yeah, but for if you're trying to make a point to non-horror movies, Night of the Living Dead is the most iconic. No, it's not. Dawn of the Dead. So much better visual. And Uh, here comes the horror. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm I'm not Moose. I'm going to move on. I'm not Moose. He's totally going back to the title of Living Dead here in a second. Just use another Romero movie if you want to pay homage. In don't five, don't four because it's three, free. Yeah, it's free, and you're an asshole for using it. It's Especially, only going to get worse I in the future. I see a lot of filmmakers you know that, that actually knew George Romero, and they use that shit for free. And it's like, goddamn, don't be a dickhead. Go out in a fucking cemetery with a camcorder, shoot some zombies, make it black and white, put on the TV yourself. Lazy asses. Anywho. The next morning, Moose is woken up by Hunter's cell phone. He's still sitting next to the dude as the sun comes in. I actually like this part. No, dude. There's two moments here with Hunter where, tension-wise, one, when he's taking a selfie with the passed out Hunter, he drops his phone on Hunter's chest, and Hunter kind of like, can you imagine that? And then the next morning, Hunter's cell alarm goes off, and Moose wakes up, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm still here. (laughs) So he grabs his backpack and runs... Dude, that was, I like those touches. I like those two touches. You can put yourself in Moose's shoes and you're you're caught yeah. if you don't... I, 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 I did like those yeah. two moments. They, they, were, they were okay. I'll give it that. There was also another where Hunter was in his... Trying on his blazer, talking to his agent, where he was like, I should probably tell you something. I I kissed Dora again. <laughs> again? And like the agent's like, why'd you do that? Because I'm an idiot. And... She had had a rough day, and I thought me making out with her would take all her troubles away. But you, see, while he's talking, you see Moose in silhouette kind of zip across the background. That was a nice shot, too. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to say all negative stuff about yeah. it. Just a couple, just a couple of things. Uh, how are you enjoying the 300s Connecticut? I am liking it. Uh, there's a bit of a breadiness to it. Uh, but there's still like a... I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's kind of like a rustic earthiness to it. It's not like a, a total Nicaraguan mineral earthiness to it, but it's just kind of a... I don't know. It's kind of a, like a dry earthiness to it. Could that be the Peruvian tobacco? Is that what it is? Could be. Could be. Yeah. I, I find Peruvian usually has more of a kind of a herbal uh, spice component to it, but... But I'm not getting a lot of spice off of this. I agree with Tut. I mean, there's there is a light breadiness, not much spice or pepper. No, not on the retro hill at all. Yeah, it's so, very, it's very, it's a very light tingle on the nose. Nothing crazy, but man, there there's definite bread on that on that draw. Yeah. So I don't know. I I, w- I would still classify I'm that as more like the Nicaraguan mineral 
I will say this: the uh, the stouts starting to overpower it quite a bit. Uh, we have a million different beers. If you would like to change gears, uh, let me know when you're when you're out. Because one of the things, like with the uh, with the Desert Rose, that Desert Rose, the bump up in presence fought off the beer quite nicely. It did. Uh, this one's a bit more downplayed. Uh, it's it's real dry. It's got that nice bread, that dry breadness to it. And it also has a nice cedar component. I'm getting. To me, it's not the, not a heavy. It's not a heavy enough or a distinct enough cedar to where it's fighting off that that sugar from from the beer. Cedar and breadiness. I'm I'm with you on that with a very with a very mild retro hill, which is kind of refreshing. Usually you're you know pepper, yeah. black pepper, white pepper, spot alpine. No, it's actually got a very mild. Retro. This I think is, this is sitting more into that traditional Connecticut this profile. Is all, this is all the palate. It's all it's all cedar and yeah. It's nice. The construction's good so far. I'll come back to it. Okay. Um. We cut to Hunter and Danny slash Tanner driving around in Hunter's BMW. Dadass son, you want to listen to a little Limp Biscuit? You like Limp Biscuit? And now it all makes sense. I used to listen to this back in the day. This shit is hot. Oh my god, that is nice. That is nice. That makes sense. What? Can I use your line? Yeah. What the fuck? A Limp Biscuit commercial dropped right in there by the lead singer of Limp Biscuit himself. I feel sorry for myself for having listened to this. I really felt sorry for little Danny Tanner listening to this song. <laughs> this kid didn't deserve to listen to Limp Biscuit. He's just on set. He didn't deserve this. He came at a time after Limbiscuit. He thought we extinguished that threat. He never would have to listen to Limbiscuit. And then here we go. I thought really, I was hoping more for the you, you know didn't behind know this the movie is directed by the lead singer. Did you find this scene odd? I thought I thought that this was a, a an early career director trying to find some music that hasn't been used before and trying to do like some sort of 90s like embarrassing dad music but he didn't want to go too traditional they wanted oh, to so you thought it was a to, goof I thought that they were wanting to try to be a little bit you weird thought it was, with no, it that's, that's, if, that's awesome because if you didn't know that Fred Durst directed this you thought he was goofing it I thought he was kind like of goofing like a dad it. trying to be cool in 2019 and he's playing the most uncool music yeah oh this shit is hot I used to listen to the, no <laughs> this was the director saying this shit is hot <laughs> I'm putting this shit in here. I was really hoping for the, you know, they would never show up, but it's like a behind the the, the scenes thing where you the kids often, they're like, so what is Limp Bizkit? Can you, you imagine? It's my, it's my band. Can you imagine in a Rob Zombie directed movie if a character was like, hey, you want to listen to some Rob Zombie? This shit is fire. This shit is on. And I hate Rob Zombie movies. No, it's, it's even it's even more. It's like the, just something just. One of the songs starts playing on like a what radio is, in the background. You hear something. Hey, man, turn that up. It's my favorite song. Fucking jackasses. But they actually call it out by name like three times. You don't like the biscuit? The biscuit is the shit. Oh, my God. I used to love Limp Biscuit. This Limp Biscuit is fire. That's why I thought that they were kind of goofing People on should it, really revisit Limp Biscuit on iTunes. Download the whole catalog, son. This shit is amazing. No, what the hell? The only thing missing was Danny going, man, this is so awesome. I'm going to tell my friends about this. I'm going to tell all my friends about Limbiscuit, Dad. Thanks, Dad. 
This is the first. Our talk about Limp Biscuit was the first I've ever felt close to you. <laughs> Limp Biscuit brought us together, Dad. Oh, Danny Tanner. That's you know the, I do this for you. That's what the biscuit does. I bet Dora was like, I wish he had Limp Biscuits. Would have made my 18 <laughs> months working for this asshole a little more bearable. Why couldn't she have been on her last like breath? At least I don't have to listen to the lip biscuit. I was about to say because she can't because she's still dead in the front yard. <laughs> hey, she's laying there with that her head split up. Like at least I don't have to listen to limp biscuit. Anymore. And apparently they like I guess it's in the backyard maybe. I just can't believe this passed the editing room. Well, he's well it's because he's actor. editing. It. Are you sure you want this two minute thing about your band? Hey, Fuck yeah. Maybe Durst is into Scientology as well, and maybe this was funded it, by Scientology. Maybe it was a five-minute scene driving around listening to Limp Bizkit, and he agreed to cut it down to... It was like the Miami Vice of Limp Bizkit. <laughs> I think you're right. I think there was like a whole longer scene where they're just... Him like and Danny jamming. drove around for five minutes, and Fred agreed, you know what, this only needs to be about two minutes. All right. We'll compromise. We should just take it out all together. No, 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 no. Uh, Let's just ta- let's let's get the the compromise is two minutes of Limp Biscuit right here. I right realize now. I just said a few nice things about this movie right before this. This <laughs> totally wipes that shit out. So luckily, their car ride is cut short as Hunter sees Moose walking up ahead along the side of the road. But he apparently didn't see Dora. Hits the gas and stops just short of running Moose flat over. Stuff breaks right in front of his ass. Which he's walking home from sleeping with Hunter all night. What happened to his moped? Hunter jumps out of the car and starts shaking Moose's shoulders violently, telling him, Listen, you stuttering fuck. If you want to live to see tomorrow, you stay away from me and my son or else I'll shove my Remington shotgun so far up your ass, you'll be shitting bullets and blood for the rest of your life. It's very specific on the model. Did you get the message, Clear Yax? I did. Uh, I'm I'm on Team Hunter right here. And... To little Danny, he seemed to get it. He's sitting there, emotionless, watching this all go down. He's got very little expression on his well, face. Well, that's just because he had to listen to Limp Biscuit. I was going to say, I think he was just happy that the, he wouldn't have to listen to Limp Biscuit anymore. There's a deleted scene where Dad gets back in. You want to listen to some corn? That's when little Danny puts the fucking his private school tie around his neck. Dad, if, I li- it, if puts, I listen to Limp Biscuit, I'm gonna be shitting puts bullets. Puts his private school necktie in the window and rolls it up. <laughs> oh. Fucking but you corn, don't hear about that anymore. Limp Biscuit, give me a break. Oh. Anyway, we can all agree that's terrible music. It is. It is. Unless it's the intro to The Undertaker on a Harley Davidson. Dead man again. I walking. bought. I bought. The chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. I admitted it. Uh, you know what? Maybe I'll throw that in with one of the prizes. There's nothing. You're going to get a Southern Draw beanie and Lint Biscuits, the chocolate starfish, and the hot dog flavored water CD autographed by Matt Cade. Robert Holt's like, no, you bastard. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know what? We're going to throw in some Creed CDs, too. Let's just get it all out there. Jack Boy, give me your Creed CDs. I don't have any. Do you want my Lincoln Parks? Yes. Every beanie comes with a horrible CD. I'm beginning to have physical discomfort. Autographed by the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Sharing our shame. With this 64-ounce drinking thing, I hope you like Third Eye Blind. Because you're getting it. (laughs) 
Actually, they they weren't in that group. I I, I like Third Eye Blind. Yeah, they they had some decent songs. After a little animated artsy mm. transition sequence uh, that came out of nowhere, where we what see, was that? I don't know. Towards the end, right. they start just, throwing in these 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 hand painted kind of digital artsy and transitions. The, the, and the music. I got a theory. Oh God. Fill time. It's only a eighty-eight something. I got a theory. Uh oh. I can't. I can't voice it right now. Okay. No man. Let me, let me know when you can. It's at the very end it, that I can oh, voice it. It comes out of nowhere. This little animated artsy transition sequence where we see a pain moosey. Uh, we cut from that to a pain moosey as he tries to put on a good show for the tourists right. with his little bobby thing, but his mind is clearly preoccupied. He had a rough day. Yeah. With Hunter. I have to go ahead and say it. Oh, I don't have to go and say it, but I will go ahead and say sure, it. Sure, why not? You ever watch the movie Ginger Snaps? It was one of the sequels. It was a werewolf movie. It was a werewolf movie. It was one of the sequels where one of the chicks gets out, escapes, and get puts in a... A female werewolf movie. Right, and gets put in a mental institution. Okay. And there was a younger girl there uh, who was like a comic book fanatic, drew a lot, that's where these little flashbacks are coming in, or that's where these little side deals are coming in. It was very reminiscent of the Ginger Snap movie, and just keep that in mind going forward with Leah. I think Leah. I think I think Durst watched Ginger Snaps and got, or perhaps got a little influenced here. Did we check? I think Moose is going to be the pet werewolf. Did we check the Ginger Snap soundtrack to see if there's any Limp Bizkit Whoa, songs? Whoa! So you think Leah? Orchestrating it knows she's planting moose in these positions to do these things as much as she says she's against them because she likes to step back and watch him do what he's doing as kind of a puppet master. And I think that she's living vicariously through moose and also she's safely behind her camera lens while he's out there actually engaging with these celebrities in a very hardcore manner. Right. He's engaging with the celebitards. Uh, I think you're giving this movie way too much depth. I, I, I could be, but I couldn't help noticing the, the similarities. I think also, it's a, I think I think it's a it's shallow representation, but knowing that it's Fred Durst, maybe the shallow representation makes sense. Limp Bizkit was I shallow. I think <laughs> it's simply Tut filling in the gaps. There's gaps that need to be filled, and I think he's, he's trying his best. Yeah, no, it's not no subtext in here. <laughs> hey, I just got through of English composition too. Uh, There's a great line, and I think I've referenced it before on the show, where Steve Sanders on 90210, Ian Zerian, is talking to this chick, and she's like, "So what you're saying is this?" And he looks over to his friends, he's like, "Would somebody please tell this chick I'm not deep enough for subtext?" <laughs> <laughs> you're really, really looking for shit that ain't there, man. I, I don't... She is a surface-level character that has no depth and was never given any depth. She is not pulling his strings. She is not intentionally giving him the star map app. If she was, she'd be there taking pictures of these confrontations. But think of, it, be, as, but think of it as a writer. I think if, if you're either a new writer or a bad writer, you're trying to create this subtext, and so you kind of create these layers, and I think it's just a poorly created layer that they actually tried to do. You also wrote a song called Nookie about cookies and... That's why I said bad writing in there as well as new writing. Well, he did write this with Beakerman. We don't know what Beakerman's backstory is. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> 
It's apparently the Muppets. Such assholes. On the way home, Moose's moped has a serious malfunction. Like, half of it just blows up. Uh, that sends him flying off at tumbling over a curb. Was that the only one laughed pretty hard at that? Nah, I, I chuckled. There's clearly a stuntman with the, with the, the, the moose the wig. Moose wig. <laughs> but, so he walks back to his apartment where he has an imaginary and very angry conversation with Mr. Dunbar, or as he calls him, Mr. Dummy Bar. Dummy Bar. In the mirror in his bathroom. Oh, you're something and I'm nothing? Well, Mr. Dummy Bar, you haven't made the best choices. Ghost Train was not a good movie. And who stuck by you? I did. This is a nightmare. This is a freaking nightmare. Did he start to crumble, boys? Everything crumbles. <laughs> Thank you, Leah. <laughs> hey, you he reached what? into the cookie jar, but eventually all cookies crumble. The only reason I think maybe you're onto something with the Leah thing is those voiceovers. Why else did they give her the voiceover when she's clearly made just as many bad choices as Moose? There might be something there. Well, I'm I, not going to give Fred Durst that well, credit. You know, though. at least we can say oh, yeah. with that oh, when yeah. we first see her, she wasn't That's like pure it, Beakerman. She wasn't given Moose like everyone else calls him Moose, but she gives him the name. Hey, Cookie, what's going on? She called him Cookie. No, I'm just saying. Thank oh. God she didn't. <laughs> then there would then there would be subtext <laughs> that we don't need. Oh, uh, his now he's face, referencing his own songs. His face. <laughs> if Moose is playing the uh, Limp Biscuit in his apartment, oh my God! His face is red and puffy. He's breathing heavy. He's completely covered in sweat as he takes all of his Hunter Dunbar memorabilia outside and sets it on fire, Good including job, the vest. Good job, John. There's no turning back now. Oh, and he starts stabbing dolls in his bed with a sharpened spoon. Okay, so there's that. That yeah, didn't no, that's really. Good. Don't know where that came from. I guess that to, there's no turning back. He's full blown crazy. Leah comes by to check on him because get this, Moose has been broadcasting all this shit on social media. Remember when he kissed Hunter, unconscious? He posted that shit on Facebook. Why not? But uh, I think I think it's fortuitous. Lee is his only follower. Like I think he's not friends with many people, so nobody else saw. It. But she's warning him, like you can't do this. This is crazy. She's also, he's going to be at his house tomorrow afternoon at three p.m. She tells him to give him give her his phone, but he, before you get into some trouble with the police. But he refuses. He shoves her against the wall, and he blocks. He grabs his phone. He blocks her from his social media. You're blocked. Where's her voiceover now telling everyone how this was partially all her fault? Oh, she doesn't do a voiceover now. How convenient. Hmm. That would have been the time. You know, I couldn't help but feel a little bit responsible. No, she doesn't do that voiceover. Well, at least it didn't like go like, you know, old school noir in the City of Angels. (laughs) In the City of Angels, Moose was out of his element. His moped blew up like a Cuban cigar on holiday. No, there's nothing at all. <laughs> like a cheap cigar from a Laurel and Hardy museum. Now, Leah's not that articulate in her voiceovers. Although, it's tough like the cookie jar analogy. After, did anybody need a beer? Yes, yes. Do you want? I will a, take another stout, Another please. stout? You're sticking with it, huh? Why do you say that like it's... No, oh, really? No, I just thought you might want to... It's a very good art form in beer. It is. I like it. It is. I'm actually going to shift gears to the um, 
See what this Connecticut has against the dr- the Golden Drock. Yeah, this is not going to be a good night. <laughs> we got we have so many beers we got to get. We have a just a fridge full of old beers from old shows. I know, but this is a horrible ass movie. Let's get through it. And this uh, is just going to prolong my misery. What me drinking Golden Drocks? <laughs> what was the deal with this beer? We liked it. Yeah, we did. It was at least ten percent, right? It is. Yeah, all right. After another little animated artsy transition showing a cartoon moose in a pool of blood, it's kind of what like, is going on with these things? We cut to Hunter's bedroom where he has a white rag shoved in his mouth and all his limbs are tied to the bed. He looks what down kind on of the sleeping pills. Is this man taking good ones? The good shit. <laughs> ben Affleck. Space, vam- space vampire money can afford everything. <laughs> I really think that was a bad call. <laughs> Uh, he looks down on the ground where Moose is lying in a pool of blood under his head, just like the cartoon. You stupid fucking stalker. He thinks he's dead. He thinks he committed suicide. He starts screaming for help. But then Moose pops up laughing his ass off. You've been jigsawed. Game over. He was like Saw movies. He was playing dead like Jigsaw. Hunter struggles with the ropes and screams some more. As I Moose. actually thought that this was going to be a shout out to Stephen King. He did like a psychological terror where uh, this dude ties his wife up to the bed, has a heart attack. Gerald's game. Gerald's game. I thought that they were kind of going there, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of a heady. I'm subtext. I'm kind of seeing what's going there. Moose pulls out a dildo, like <laughs> do stuff to. Yeah, but then. But then when he popped up, I was like, oh, okay. that's what It was a like. Saw reference. I actually kind of like this little scene. He's a horror movie fan. Yeah. Uh, as Moose leaves the bedroom, he pops up and he walks out. He walks right back in wearing a Jason Voorhees hockey mask and dark blue jumpsuit. Dude, Hunter's like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck? Moose looms over the bed wielding a giant machete, and he starts stabbing Hunter repeatedly in the chest with it. He's screaming out. But it's a fake knife. It's retracting every time it hits him in the thing. And Moose starts dancing around the bedroom because he got Hunter so scared. I did it. I fooled Hunter Dunbar. He, I'm such a good actor. Because that's his whole thing when he's looking in the mirror. Anybody can do what you do. You're just pretending. So he's like proud of himself that he actually scared the, the, the expert. I can kind of see it. Yeah, that made sense. But the fake knife did actually puncture Hunter a little bit and draw some blood. So Moose touches the cut in his finger and licks it. Moose tells Hunter, I love you, I love you. He says it like three times. I love you so much. I've seen all your movies. All I want is for you to stop being so mean to me. Oh, and then for his final performance, he channels Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs as he dumps gasoline all over the bed as the actor pleads for his life to be spared. But Moose explains, it's just water. I would never hurt you, Hunter. I would never burn your nice house down. Moose came with like an endless bag of tricks, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He put like a whole bunch of shit together. I don't know. Out of everything. So Hunter finally grows a brain and tries a different approach than screaming and being <laughs> a dick and being a dick <laughs> with his captor. He apologizes for being so mean to Moose. I love this moment with Moose. You're seriously the meanest person I've ever met in my life. He is really mean. Like obviously. Moose has crossed some lines, but even when he didn't, when he was just like an awkward fan, 
I mean, this guy's a dick. Yes, but he I was. say, he but was. I was like, how are you saying this is the meanest guy compared to Todd the God? Yeah, Todd, yeah, I forgot about Todd. I <laughs> mean, we're Bill Paxton's son. He tried to blow, <laughs> make him blow him. Slim, slim, slim. <laughs> Hunter says, you know what, man? I'll autograph anything you want, but Moose isn't buying it. In fact, Moose seems to be growing angrier by the second until Hunter tells him that he tells Moose. You hold all the power in this relationship, man. You're a fan. Without you, I'm nothing. He never read that letter. He said that shit on his own. Hearing his own thoughts spoken out loud by Hunter throws Moose for a loop. I'm hungry. He's discombobulated. I gotta get something to eat. So he goes back downstairs. Remember the first time he broke into Hunter's house? He was very disappointed in the food selection. And he found like a jar of preserves that he kind of ate with his finger. He goes down there. There's still nothing good in the fridge, so he's eating these preserves. <sighs> Leah's voiceover. All right, I'm going to keep talking about her damn voiceover. <laughs> Leah's voiceover pops in to tell us that Moose hasn't just crossed a line. He's nuked, nuked the it. line. Thanks, Leah. We didn't see that in John Travolta's <laughs> fucking well-nuanced performance. We need you to tell us that he's gone too far. He's down there eating preserves while the guy's tied up, covered in gasoline. Thanks, Leah. I never would have gotten the context of what's going on here without your valuable insight. Idiot. And as Moose eats out of the jar of preserves in the kitchen, he revisits the idyllic fantasy from the book signing where the lights go down and Hunter is signing books only to him and his very enthusiastic Moose. Come here. I love you. I don't think there's a gay thing in this movie. It could be very, it could be very well made played that way. He fantasizes about Hunter telling him he loves him. In a minute, we're going to see him kind of laying in his chest. He's already told him he loves him several times. I'm going to say this is pure fandom love. Yeah. I never got a a sexual vibe from Moose, any which way, including Moose. If anything, I could think including because, Moose because of Moose, uh, Moose. Any which way, but Moose. Because of Moose, I, I if anything it was paternal. I, I I don't see it as you know sexual at all. No, I, I never got that either. Well, Moose goes back upstairs to scold Hunter for not raising Danny right. Tanner, there's no ice cream in the house. Your son's gonna always resent you for that. Like Moose resents <sighs> his parents. Well, his parents bought him ice cream while she was screwing the milkman behind his back. Are you sure you don't want to keep it down while I'm banging you on the couch? It's just Moosey. He's watching Night of Living Dead. He'll be fine. We get it. He had a bad childhood. Hunter then tells him, you know what? I'll go buy some ice cream right now if you untie me. But that doesn't work. He tried. So Hunter shifts gears once again and tells Moose, I know I'll come across as mean man and angry, but actually I'm just scared. Much like you, Moose, I'm, I bet you're scared right now. I am, too. Not only will I not call the police, he promises. He swears. But I will sign anything you want for the rest of our lives. This appeals to Moose because everything autographed on eBay is fake, and this stuff would be personalized to Moose from Hunter. Anything else? Moose asks, like, if I let you go, are you going to give me anything else? <sighs> yeah, just don't hurt my kid. Oh boy, this backfires. Sets Moose off on a terror. He jumps off the bed, shouting at Hunter, I would never hurt Danny. I would never, ever hurt your son. Why would you even say that? 
Finally, an exhausted hunter gives up on the deal-making, he's bad at it, and gets Moose to agree to try a technique that all actors do called visualization. And Danny, or Moose wants to be an actor? I mean. Well, I think he just enjoys doing something like, I want you to do this with me. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's what kind of gets off on. He gets Moose to relax his shoulder. His shoulders have been slumped forward this whole movie. He gets him to actually lower his shoulders a little bit and use his vast imagination to picture them eating dinner together at a famous steakhouse. Moose has one in mind. Like Morton's or No, it was like Morton's or... It was like a Hollywood yeah. Boulevard steakhouse. Sure, sure, that one. And then we'll come back to my house on the big HD TV and watch some of my action flicks while eating strawberry ice cream. Oh, oh man, Moose is. He, we know he's hunter. visualizing because everything goes blue. <laughs> everything. Fred Durst in the editing booth. What if we hit the blue button on that? Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Or was it sepia? It was something. I. I the visualization technique For works. Your consideration. <laughs> Nobody's considering Fred Durst or the editor. Travolta deserves it. He'll never get it, but he deserves it. The visualization technique works as Moose crawls into bed with Hunter and puts his head on his chest before slowly... Dude, he's seeing it. They're eating ice cream together. They're watching the action movies together. So Moose slowly rises up and starts undoing the ropes from his wrists. Within seconds, Hunter reaches behind the headboard, grabs his Remington shotgun, and blows the fingers on Moose's right hand clean off. Cody style. No, Cody would have blown his skull in half. (laughs) Or his chest open. He ain't shooting his hand. Center mass. Right? Hmm. I'm just saying, I was like, I, I could understand the, like, you tortured me, I'm torturing you. Where's your gun? Where isn't a gun? <laughs> right here, there's a gun. Under the table, the there's a gun. But did you guys initially think if you're you're tied up and you're pretty sure this guy's going to kill you, why wouldn't you shoot him right in the heart? Well, maybe he missed. I think he's a sadistic. He's got a bunch of issues and he wants to torment this guy. Is what I think they were trying to do. Right. I just thought he missed. He blows off all his fingers on his right hand. Hunter then grabs a huge... Rambo knife from his nightstand and starts cutting free of his other restraints. Cody style. That's completely <laughs> normal. I, I understood that. Uh, Hunter kicks the crawling wounded moose down the flight of stairs from the upstairs and then keeps kicking the shit out of him downstairs. You can't leave now, moose. I'm nothing without you. He shoots moose one more time. And then with no more shells in the Remington, he ditches the gun and stabs Moose hard. Here's the thing. It was so dark downstairs. It's nighttime. Yeah. I couldn't tell if he stabbed him in the face or in the chest, but he comes down hard. It was the eye. I think it was the eye. It was, I think the it eye. was like, supposed to be the eye because we see that. But I'm like... But if he stabbed that knife in that dude's eye, it would have gone into his brain. It should right. have. And that's what it is. But it was, it was definitely the eye because I, I watched no, this was. twice. And at the end, he has a, a knife wound in his uh. eye. But I'm going to go ahead and get... I'm going to say something nice about this movie. What? I loved that this confrontation was so dark, I couldn't tell what was happening. Right. Because it was realistic. This is in his house at 2 in the morning. There's no lights on. 
I liked that I couldn't make out exactly what was happening. I liked that the only light I was seemingly getting was the light from the windows from the moonlight. Yeah. It looked real. It looked dark. It didn't Motivated. look like it didn't look like a cinematographer lit uh, a downstairs to be like it's not lit, but it's lit. Yeah. No, it was it was realistic. And I liked that I couldn't tell where he hit him with that knife. Yeah. But if he dug that fucking Rambo knife into his eyeball, he's dead. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I said something nice. Yeah. How about that? Uh, Travolta's moose is, moose is crying out in pain, and it's so sad. It actually is. We spent an hour with this guy, and he's not all there, so his pain is not all justified. It's sad. And Travolta's crying so sad and whimpering. It's it's pathetic, and you feel for the guy. He's in the wrong, but you feel... For, I mean, he's in so much fucking pain. Here's how much pain he's in. Even hard-ass Hunter drops to the floor deflated by, like... He has emotions that he doesn't know... I didn't understand this! How could you look at this poor dude screaming in pain and not be like, take a pause, but his pause drops him on his ass and like, call the cops! Everyone else but him would. Uh, his he, triumphant stance where I just killed this fucker, I'm, I'm about to kill this fucker, devolves into this moment of pity. Even I don't, I, actually, he, I don't mind, I actually, I don't even mind Even he this can't wrap his head around what, why he's not calling the cops, why he's not finishing him off. I, I, Days ago is when the cops would have been called. Yeah, especially for the stinking body of Dora that's out there in the yeah, yard. I mean, that, she's been but out there now, what is this now, two, three days? <laughs> at least three days, or well, two days. we don't know. At least of, two days. Because of poor editing, it could have been one day or two days. I think it was at least two days. And also, but, that gardener is terrible because he can't even find his <laughs> body on the property. Hey, but I, but I she's say, not exploring anything anymore, man. Uh, but I, I, I will say this: I, you know, it's a lot of times, and even I, even I do it. You know, it's like, well, I'd shoot that son of a bitch in the face, and I'd kill that motherfucker. I'd kill him so damn bad. But then, when you're actually sitting there and you're going to kill the person, I can understand Hunter taking the second back. I mean, he's not a killer. He's not. He's not a fucking merc. He's not. No, trained. but also the person he's going to kill is clearly special. Also, yeah, it's, but he is in his house, and he did just tie him up. Also, it's California. I don't think they have a stand your ground law or a castle castle law. law. So. I just, but I think he sees this this poor bastard crying and whimpering, and it. it I I actually thought this was one of the few real moments in the movie. I did too. I and it, like and that's what I was trying Where to this say. With a badass actor who's got these knives and these guns, he's like, I can take. I'll put my Remington up your ass. He actually sees a wounded uh, special. A person, a human being, crying and whimpering, and it drops And him. it's mournful crying. It's oh, not... It, dude, it's, Travolta... If you didn't have Travolta selling that like he did, if yeah. you had another actor there, it wouldn't have worked. I agree with that. Travolta is, Travolta is so good in this, it makes this, you know, all fucking adrenaline... And, it was, and, the, and this scene was... I, I, it wasn't believable that he didn't call the cops. It wasn't believable that he just let... Travolta fucking go. That made no fucking sense whatsoever. But it is believable that he didn't pull the trigger. It, does, it is believable when he drops on his ass and has that moment. And and dude, Devin Sawa sells that moment where he's just kind of like snaps out of the, I'm kicking the shit out of this. Am I a killer? Am that's, I a killer? That's the especially to a guy going. who's clearly not he's whimpering like a wounded animal, not like a wounded person. Right. 
at this point it's like is, at this point it's like well it's tough because again he did have this motherfucker tied up into the into his bed <laughs> but at the same time it's like I killing thought, a wounded animal I thought in a very cheesy superficial everything movie this was an actual real moment that didn't deserve this movie or it superseded the movie. Yeah, yeah. I this get this you. scene was I get you. this moment was too good for this movie. <laughs> well, Hunter also drops the giant knife to the floor next to Moose, which haven't appeared in so many horror films. You think he would know not to do that? But remember, there was a moment where Moose said, "It's like you never watched any horror films." So I thought when he dropped the knife next to the killer, that was kind of like. Because there's a couple moments here where you didn't know if Moose would be Michael Myers and come back. Yeah. And when he drops the knife, oh yeah, Moose said he acts like he's never watched. Like is Moose gonna grab? I, I thought there was a couple little things that were kind of in this last little scene has a lot going on. Uh, then in a truly shocking twist, Hunter grabs a dish towel from the kitchen, helps Moose to his feet. Where Hunter wraps his hand with all the fingers missing up. He wraps up his stump, opens the kitchen door, and gently pushes Moose outside, closing the door behind him. I didn't know at this point, was that him? He promised not to call the cops. I'm keeping my promise? Was that him honestly watching him whimper on the ground? He felt sorry for him? And like, I could not in a fathomable any sense of the world, real world think of why he would do that. Or push him out, but then call the cops. There's no world where he won't pick up the phone and call There's the cops. None. There's not. It's horrible It's horrible writing. It's a horrible script at this point. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. There's no motivation that would not have this dude call the cops. No. You either kill him and you call the cops say, I killed an intruder. Which or is, you let which him is go, believable. Or you let him go and be like, a guy just... But either way, you're calling the fucking cops. Yes. There's no... This guy... Hunter is a pretty cut and dry Hollywood... You think Matt Damon... Somebody breaks into Ben Affleck's house and this happens, he's not calling the cops? No. no. You know what? I hope he learns from this. No, of course not. Speaking of learning from... Are you guys learning anything about the 300 Connecticut? No, I'm still getting it's that. He- I'm it's still really getting smooth. that heavy bread cigar or that heavy breadiness to it. It's very dry taste to it. Uh, I I really do appreciate it a lot. It it's got is, a great smoke profile. It's more of that traditional Connecticut style. It's got a little bit more of a of a presence to it than than uh, a, a lot of Connecticut's do have to it. Uh, that <coughs> I do appreciate to it. Uh, but it is more of a traditional. It's not. It's definitely not that Desert Rose it, amped up Connecticut. No, it's not, but it it is in contrary to the Desert Rose. There is a shitload of spice on the retro. Are you getting that? Yes. It's so much more pepper on the retro. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting. I'm. The breadiness very strong. Yeah. A slight hint of sweetness, more sugary. No. But I mean really, really slight. Huh. But every- it's good. It's a it's a really good but let's talk price point real quick before Actually uh, I, I appreciate this cigar. Uh for the 
the flavor profile that it's trying to get into. I really like this space. Uh, it's not the powerhouse. It's not the, this is Nicaragua. It's, it's not, but it's also not. We're doing something new. It's it's just a, a straight ahead Connecticut wrapped cigar. Like I said, I it's actually, it's it's USA Connecticut wrapper, Peru binder, all Nicaraguan filler. It's fairly straight ahead blend wise. Uh, but man, I I hesitate to I say I love that, spice on the nose and smooth creaminess on the draw. I hate to say this because uh, I don't know if it's taken in a bad way or not, but this cigar is not pretentious. It's not trying to be just, you know, the most whiz-out cigar. No. Not your father, Connecticut, and not your... All Straight the, up. I love that. I actually... I appreciate that. Price point. Price point? Man, it's a 300 hands. You got a little bit of charities. So let's bump that shit up a little bit. 1025 $9. Six thirty-nine. Get this. It gets better. Again, Famous Smoke Shop currently has them on sale for $63.90 for bundle 10. So that's $63.90 down to $57.99. That's what they're on sale for. $57.99. Get two of them? So that's $5.79. Yeah. Mistake. You're thinking what I'm thinking. If you order two bundles of 10, apply promo code TNCC20. That will get you this cigar in your house for 79 a stick. Done. Insanity. Done. I'm doing it tomorrow. Four seventy nine a stick for 20 of these. When I wake up in my foggy haze, I am going straight to a famous smoke shop. I'm going to get Don't two of these. Don't forget to click on the I've Tuesday night... Cigar Club Good. banner. There you go. And then I'm applying that fucking code, and I'm getting this for four dollars a stick. This would be great with uh, coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. This would be great with IPA, a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. I know we're in stout weather in our short sleeves, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean this is about half the price. Of and you the throw this with a Guinness cream style stout. Oh fuck yeah, dude. Four seventy nine. You can get these for twenty of them tomorrow. Done. And you're helping charity. Done. You guys have stuck with the stouts. Yeah. Some. I am now drinking the dra- golden drop. Golden drop, and it's going very well with the Connecticut okay. action. Or maybe I don't know. I really like the Golden Drop when we did it on the... Uh, was that Banana Splits? I think so. Yes. Yeah, because it's supposed to have notes of banana, which it didn't have. But it had a lot of alcohol, which got us through the <laughs> Banana Splits. It which just... in itself is a good pairing. Yes. Yes. Pairing experts. Much like this movie. You need a lot of alcohol to get through it. You only had to watch it once. <laughs> uh, you got to choose yours. <laughs> Uh, well, get this. I feel guilty about laughing. This at that ending has a lot going on, which we have a lot to talk about because I watch a lot of Lifetime movie endings, which are crazy and absurd. This thing blows those things out of water as far as absurdity. Mm-hmm. And this is like a real movie. Yep. John Travolta's in this thing. Yep. Okay. So Leah finds Moose stumbling down Sunset Boulevard where tourists are taking photos with him, thinking that with his blue jumpsuit, 
his stabbed-in eye and bloody chopped-off hand. He's a street performer doing a Michael Myers impression. Get us a picture, man. You're all bloody. Hollywood, yeah. This is the best special effects I've ever seen, <laughs> God, man. the blood looks so real. He's just banging on to it, clinging to life. Leah helps Moose make the long trip back to his place. She has a car. They could have just gotten his car, her car and gone, but maybe that goes with Tut's thing. She's She's got some other things going on. I'm telling you, this this whole scene is what, what triggered it. This scene right here. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, while Leah helps Moose get back to his apartment, a blood-covered hunter, still sitting on the floor from all this, answers the doorbell to an army of police who show up to arrest him for the murder of Dora the housekeeper. It makes no sense. Guess who's with him? Julio, his gardener, who I guess found Dora, and when the cops see Hunter covered in blood, two plus two equals four. You're a math guy. Two plus two. Does any of this add up? No. None of it adds up. It's not his blood. It's not Dora's blood. I mean, come on. The movie ends. Go upstairs and see the ropes that I was tied up with. The movie ends. See the shotgun blast. We're in the. This is one of the craziest endings we've ever done because the movie ends. First of all, he doesn't fight it. You don't see him like, I don't do it. He calmly gets in the police car and looks at the back with some pretty lights. Look, it's a shitty wrap up. Look, it's an insane wrap up. He doesn't like what the fuck. I don't. I didn't kill Dora. He doesn't fight it. He doesn't scream. He's like, this. I'm going to my life in prison now. It's a ginger snaps ending. No, he's not. Maybe it's like you know what I was. He calmly explained to them. Look, I was. My space vampire money is going to pay for a really good lawyer, (laughs) and all of this is going to get cleared up. All right. No problem. That's actually what you see off the scene. That's that was the cut. The mo- the cut here's my footage. problem. Saying. The, the movie played <laughs> it like that was the end. He's gonna go off to prison, and Moose is gonna live happily ever after. No, Moose. But anybody with a fucking brain Much will tell life? you. All right, guess what? The next day, they do DNA tests. They realize that he was tied up there. None of the blood on him is actually Dora's blood. But they go. They it won't take ten seconds to go down and find this Moose guy. That he has a thing with. See his hands blown off. His stabbed eye. And a stabbed eye. The they're going to go down like and Moose is gonna go they're going to go down eternity. and search the five it's alleys the in Los ending. Angeles. It's the most bullshit <laughs> ending of any movie we've ever done. They're going to they're gonna come across Todd the God and then they're going to be like, we're trying to find some guy who's, oh, you're talking about Moose. <laughs> I'll take you right to him. That guy's crazy. He choked me. I've never seen a, a much, film. Much get- like Ginger Snaps. She shoves Moose down and below the stairs. That's her werewolf now. It's all wrapped up. I've never seen a movie give you such a bullshit temporary ending. Like, hey, guess what? This is how it ends. It was Even horrible. Even though you know the next day this is all going to unravel and the movie will end in a totally different way because of logic and just common sense. It was crazy. It was stupid. It was horrible. It was horrible. It was bad writing. Moose is going to prison. He's going to be freed. He's a Hollywood actor. Who, uh, but despite not doing Hollywood movies, he is a Hollywood actor. Space Vampires was totally a Hollywood movie, man. It was a blockbuster. What a fucking weird ending. To a weird I don't movie. To a weird know movie. What? <sighs> I mentioned Lifetime movies earlier. I watch a shitload of them. 
on a weekly basis, I watch at least two, just as comfort. They're my comfort food. You turn on the Lifetime movie, the wrong husband, the wrong mistress, the wrong kid. The wrong the ro- movie. The wrong los- the wrong channel. The wrong lasagna. <laughs> Wait, that was a script I wrote. Either way. Meredith Baxter Bernie, addicted to scope. <laughs> give me the scope, Mom. I just, I had garlic early. I just need to rinse my... No, give it to me, Mom. This is basically a Lifetime movie, shot like a Lifetime movie, as far as artistry and cinematography, with John fucking Travolta in it, acting his ass off. This movie doesn't deserve John Travolta, it doesn't deserve the Moose character, but they got it, so I kind of give him credit for getting it, but this, the only thing good about this movie is fucking John Travolta. Yes. So weird. (laughs) So weird. It's so weird. I felt like when he took that dump and read that script, that should have been John Travolta reading the script for this movie. It's not good. Probably was. It's not good for him. It's not good for him. He shouldn't do this. But I'm glad he did it. Look, we've seen Nicolas Cage and Mandy. Yeah. A low-budget film where a previously million-dollar box office draw strips it down to nuts and bolts and just creates a fucking character without any kind of... But there's Shell. I'm gonna just give this movie whatever this but we also fucking don't, we, needs. We but, also don't but, know what happened in the in the creative process. We don't know like I mean, it's kinda like with Terminator. I mean Cameron was up front. He was rewriting it the day before some shoots. So you don't know what was rewritten. You know, go you don't know what John Travolta actually read versus what actually got filmed. That's what I was trying to say. So I mean, maybe there was something forward there. Obviously I think that Travolta felt proud enough to where I mean, Travolta's not stupid, and yet if he's sending this out for consideration, I mean, there's something there that he liked. I mean, there's something there that he's proud of. He should be. He created a character that I'll never forget. And in 107 episodes, I've forgotten almost all the characters from our movies. They're not memorable. You asked me about. Name some great John Travolta performances over the last couple of years. I'll tell you, you know what? He swung for the fences with Gotti. It was it was mixed, but he yeah. gave it his all. Gave it his all. But get this: the next the next, of, the next the, year, the, of- the next year he created a one of a kind character in a thriller. The thriller sucked. The script sucked. But he created a character that was completely I had never seen before, and it was all on him. He did this. I'll 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 go even further. Uh, the thing that I like, the thing that I love and appreciate and respect about Travolta, it, and it's funny because it's easy to shit on him for his beliefs, his religious beliefs. But look at what this body of work has done. We've done in the Valley of what was it, in the Valley oh, of uh, uh, Blood or. In the Valley of In the Valley of Darkness. Again, we've only done a hundred something movies, and we can't remember the name. Of the, That's because it, it was a stupid ass title. The western that he no, did. No, I, I know the movie. I can't remember the name of it. In the Valley of. That's out. That that is so outside. He was of, great. Then that's so outside of his normal character. But that uh, is so outside. But of just his, like, hang on, that is so outside of his normal character <sighs> to where, like, when we when you said that we we're going to do this, I'm like, John Travolta cannot do a western. There's no... It's so weird. We're sitting out here so in the weird. West. I got my cowboy hat. Yeah, I got my cowboy No, but he did a good job in that. And Just give he, me the six shooters. <laughs> give me the six shooters. And then he did Gotti. And it's like, you know what? I'm sitting here in the mob. In the Valley so of weird. Violence. In the Valley of Violence. All right, so Western. 
Gotti. This dude. I mean, he freaking goes out. And he's I not forgot a, about Valley of Ice. Not We've a, done three Travolta movies. He's not a one-trick pony. He's not De Niro saying, look, I'm going to squint my eyes and you're going to love me because I'm De Niro. He's not Pacino going, look out. I'm playing a new character. And this is totally <laughs> out of my wheelhouse. And I do it good. Here you go, Oscars, for your consideration. I'm I an mean, Egyptian pharaoh who likes big asses. No, I mean, come on. I mean, that's crazy. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. This dude doesn't pull the Bruce Willis. Go on Netflix. There's ten Bruce Willis movies that you didn't know existed, and every one of them, he plays Bruce Willis. And yeah, and you forget at the moment you Travolta watch is what sixties by now. It's got to be in the sixties. Valley of Violence. He played. He brought something totally new to that. It was a father of a bad. Ki- uh, uh, he's a bad guy. A Western bad guy. He's a father of a bad kid who knew he was a bad kid, but loved that Still kid. Still a father. Nailed that. We love that. Gotti. My God. Like I said, he swung for the fences, but he never betrayed it. And he went. He made choices. And he could have walked through it, and he didn't. He made choices. This movie, he created a character which I won't forget. I won't forget the name of this movie because of John Travolta. I won't forget this character because of John Travolta. Yes, you know, we, we brought up Scientology earlier. It, it, I know it seems goofy to us. But my God, the dude cares. Yeah. And he's a craftsman. Fuck yeah. John Travolta? I'm serious. I'm serious. If you th- if The you fanatic? Ha- eh. John Travolta? Big I'll time. It, I'll, I'll give yes. it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. And I'm like, man, if you got a project and you are lucky enough to get John Travolta on your set, you know one thing. That dude's going to bring it. I mean, he's go- he's going to perform. I yes. mean, it's it's not so- – I mean, that's that's creating something. That's creating some art. That's going to be some collaboration there. That's going to be a guy who gives a crap who's going to come up to you and be like, what do you think of this? And you're going to be like, what? You're not just walking through And I'm this? sorry. If you're Fred Durst of Blimp Biscuit and you're behind the camera – and you're watching the cast and crew party scene, and you're watching John Travolta rub his earlobes and smell them and all that, you're like, you have to be like, thanking God. Oh, shit. Yeah. This dude is giving me... I knew what we were paying this guy, but he's actually like... Doing stuff. Doing shit. That was amazing. <laughs> Fuck yeah. TNCC is... Absolutely pro John Travolta. Uh, absolutely, yes. absolutely, and unashamedly so. I mean, I I equated. I brought it up a minute ago. I equated very much to Nicolas Cage and Mandy. These guys doing lower budget films. You have the very easy option to take the check and just and show up and just show up, or you've got Nicolas Cage and Mandy, and you've got John Travolta in this, being like, you know what? I didn't get into this shit to just take a check. I got this shit to have fun and create and play and become people that I'm not. And these these some of these guys in their in their sick they, they they get that. They're playing and they're and they're having fun doing it and they're enjoying it and that's awesome. To me that yeah, and that's that's a very good distinction. John Travolta didn't need this movie. John Travolta didn't, didn't need this part. John Travolta hasn't had to work since Swordfish. Which he actually did kind of walk through. But... <laughs> in Broken Arrow, he kind of walked through yeah. that. Too. He actually did go through kind of a period where he kind of just did said lines. Dr. Volta. Hey, we've, we've lost a nuke. we got to get the nuke kids. 
crazy. But all of a sudden, these guys get in their 60s. It's like, all right, we got 10 grand. What can you do for us? I can do a lot of shit. <laughs> I can do I can do. You don't even know. You want me to wear a bow cut? I got this bow cut I, thing. I, 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 got, I got a wig. With I the mullet. Tell me how cool that is, a bow cut with the mullet. You've never seen it before. I got a wig. <laughs> Fuck. Awesome. I, I am thankful that I watched that. I mean, it's just, you're watching a, a, a true professional do his craft. It's awesome. It is. Now, the story was shit, but I mean. It was a know. Lifetime movie. It was a very simple stalker movie ah. for, that you would see on Lifetime. But you had one of our greatest treasures in American cinema that's still doing it. And it all of a sudden became something different. I give the movie a, a half a thumb at best. I give, I give jo- the movie a thumb down. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was it, it, I give it a half thumb because I watch these sh- shit on Lifetime every week. But this would be the wrong fan. <laughs> but he's so good in it. He is. He is. He is absolutely good. Thank you, John Travolta, for being you. Um, the shit part about it is is that these performances go unrecognized. Uh, and you know what? Everyone shit on Gotti, too. And it's like, dude, he, at some point... Here's the thing. John Travolta is such a unique personality. Movie, He's a movie star. Yes. He is the epitome of an icon. But at some point, when you're watching a movie with him, and you forget it's John Travolta, when he's whimpering on the ground with his fingers blown off, and he's crying, I didn't see John fucking Travolta on That's the ground. True. I saw Moose... That is fucking amazing. That is. That is absolutely. I don't see Bruce Willis as anything but Bruce Willis. I watched the fucking four hours of The Irishman, and all I saw was Al Pacino be Jimmy Hoffa, but not Jimmy Hoffa, Al Pacino. Travolta actually became Moose. It's amazing. Yeah. Which is is really... You can tell these fuckers with their million-dollar mansions... And their Hollywood wives. And their space vampire money. And their, space vampire money. And their you can't leg- even go no, anywhere without legacies, that. Their legacies are solidified. Yeah. Nicholas Cage doesn't have to act another day in his life, and he's an Oscar winner. Same with John Travolta. He never won an Oscar, but it's they don't have to try, but they do because of the craft. Right. It's amazing to see the guys that care. And it also is amazing to see how that blows the dudes that don't care out of the fucking water and it's like really well considering I mean how many hours of footage boiled down for this but I mean the character he made that character and it's the same in every scene that was my fear start when I started watching this film was like at some point, he's going to break. He's going to yeah. break character. He's going to become the only time unquote, where I thought it he's going he's to the... become Travolta. The only time where I... no, he never did. He never did. The only time where I thought it was a bad choice was like with the antlers. With and the antlers and here's stuff, Moosey. Yeah. I mean, that was crazy. But he was so excited to be in that guy's house. I give it a pass. All right. Good time. Good time. Tut, give us some links. All right, so uh, if you're going to don't go to Twitter, but if you do go to Twitter, it's at TNCCCast. But no, no, no. What you they should can go do, to Twitter. It's, it's, our week, do, it's our week link, but you can go there. What you do should do is join all the people from Syria and India and the Middle East that are subscribing <laughs> to us on YouTube and that they love us, and I thank you for it. I love all of you some bitches. 
Uh, subscribe to us on Don't YouTube. Don't call him that. Don't call him that. Tuesday Night Cigar Club. I did. Uh, also, join us on uh, Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. See RK's wonderful Facebook stories. Same thing with the Instagrams. Do the TNCC underscore podcast. And by the way, isn't there some like trivia or something like that? You know, the second round? Trivia question number two. I'm glad you asked, Hunt. Here it is, folks. This is for either the giant 64-ounce drinking thing or the ashtray. We'll be the judge of who gets this. Here you go. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm curious if you guys can answer this. Don't answer it, though. We want them to do a little bit of homework. I answered the last one for them. This one is all on them. Okay. All right. Yeah. Southern go. Draw has been in business for five years. Five years. So have we. So have we. End of the year lists. TNCC. We've done... I don't think we did one our first year, but... Yeah, maybe we, yeah, I think we actually did. We've got five end-of-the-year lists. Five. Not including this year. Not including this year. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. How many times has Southern Draw appeared on our end-of-the-year lists? Oh, my goodness. we got to do some homework. You've got to send us a direct message on Facebook or Instagram telling us how many. You don't tell us what cigars or what placings. All you have to say is, Southern Draws appeared on your end of the year list this many times. It's a simple one or two numerical answer. It'd be weird if they appeared on <laughs> ten, ten, ten times, times in four years. <laughs> That's like 25% of our list was Southern Draw. No. Send us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook telling us how many of their cigars has appeared on our end-of-the-year lists, excluding this year. And that puts you in the running for this beautiful... One of a kind. One of a kind. One of a kind! One of a kind! Southern Draw Ashtray with the little drawer or the 64-ounce drinky thingy. Drinky thingy. Drinky thingy. This will make a lot more sense when you watch The Irishman. <laughs> Apparently, Jimmy Hoffa talked like Al Pacino in that. And I'll I'm shove Jim- it right up your ass. Jimmy Hoffa loves 64 ounce drinky <laughs> thingies. What do you think of this, you cocksucker? Uh, sorry. The whole family, I apologize. Uh, they okay. knew what they were getting into. They knew! The whole family is ghosts. They're gone. They're, dude, they are gone. They're, can we have our shit back? Uh, the, we've given, if Robert's going, man, and we made the wrong mistake, hopefully, hopefully Shannon's in there going, no, 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 no just, just, just ride it out. Just let them, let them do their thing. Uh... I think much like the Desert Rose, a lot of yin and yang with the whole family. <laughs> yes. So, when we post this episode, you tell us what your favorite Southern Draw cigar is and why in the comments. If you want to win one of these two grand prizes, you send us a direct message answering the trivias that we've dropped throughout the show. And I think I've covered all our bases. All right. You gave us links to yes. all of our uh, social social media. All social media. Social media. All of our social media. Right here on the social media app. 
Tell tell them the next time they will be able to. T- what's going on? Our last show of the year. Our last show of the year. We are going to go to Roma Craft headquarters in Austin, New Jersey, and uh, <laughs> Maryland. <laughs> uh, Austin, F in Texas. And, uh, we're we're not be, afraid of you, ISIS. We're going to be hanging out with uh, Skip yeah, Martin a little bit. and Mike Rosales of uh, RomaCraft. I don't know if Mike will be there. I don't know if Mike will be there. All right, so we're going to be drinking beer down at RomaCraft, and uh, we're going to be doing the Irishman. So, yeah, if you want to do your little homework, start watching the movie. Well, this by this time, who knows? I don't know when you're it's, watching this. Actually, if you start watching the Irishman now, weeks, you might, right now, you might. Holy shit, that was a long movie. Anyway, so we're going to be watching the, the Irishman. You're going to be hearing a hell of a lot of Pacino accents. Doctor uh, will be there. It's going to be fucking good. A good time. <laughs> so yeah, we're we are looking forward to this. This is a great way. It's to a good end. way. It's, it's a good way to. End. It's a really good way to end the year. And again, yeah. I just cannot in advance apologize enough to the Uber driver who will have to take us home from Romacraft at three in the morning. Uh, <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We're going to get an SUV with a luggage rack. <laughs> just and, for you. And for Tut to just be prepared to make us snacks when we get back to his place. It's not going to happen. It's it's There's got to be some snacks. Can you just pre-order the pizza and leave it out on the counter? So yeah. gonna, could, she or, could the wife order us some you're gonna Domino's? Get, you're going to get leave? some Friskies. Well. Uh, oh, don't act like you haven't eaten the Friskies before. I'm not yeah. saying that we haven't. We're just sitting yeah, here at his house. Because uh, I'm remembering when we had to eat the Friskies. Episode mm. 107, I think, was a success. Episode 108, TBD. 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 going to be, a, again, a, just an inordinate amount of Al Pacino in the next episode. I'm so sorry. Eight uh, hours of I'm, Al Pacino. No, I was apologizing to our microphones. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, but no, it's fun. And, and you know what? It, it was uh, Travolta worked his ass off on this thing. And if everybody else is shitting on it, I'm glad maybe we, one of the few places that gave him a little bit of love for it. He obviously worked his ass off. Let's pat him on the back for it. Fuck yeah. You talk about craft and cigars and craft and beer. The guy fucking crafted a, a memorable character that was in an undeserving film. That's not his fault. He's not a director. That's very Agreed. true. Agreed. All right, folks, uh, I'll say this. Whether you're on a Peloton watching us, do you think anybody watches us while Pelotoning? No. I, no, of course not. Does. But they could start. Whether you're Pete Davidson, do you think he watches us? No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Okay. Well, whoever you are out there, we appreciate you, and may the wings of liberty never lose a feather. <gasps> Sayonara, motherfuckers. We'll see you next week, and after that, Happy New Year. We'll see you in January. To learn more about the time I stage-dived at a Limp Biscuit concert in Daytona back in the summer of 1999, only to land right on top of an apparently very fragile 18-year-old girl, sending her to the ER with extensive injuries, please research the civil court lawsuit Angie Rottenbush versus Keith A. Howell. Did my pearly white K-Swiss kick her in the face by random accident? Or did I do it all for the nookie? The nookie. Come on. You can take that cookie and stick it up your... Uh, yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. I lost that particular court case 
Yes, big time. And uh, in the meantime, to learn more about the cigars and other libations enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit southerndrawcigars.com and atgbrewery.com. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'BrienSimple.com and download their free smartphone app where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying, until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky. And for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Go to work, get drunk, go sleep.